We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... And the Eagles win! This is that dream I talked about. They win! He's had this dream before. 61 yards! The longest kick in Eagles history! Well, there you go, Mike Sielski. September 24th, 2017. Eagles 27, Giants 24. Jake Elliott, who had just gotten the job... Wins the game. Unbelievable. 007 on the clock. Actually, there was less than that because that was after the pass completion to Alshon Jeffrey. And Jake Elliott crushes the 61-yarder to win the game for the Eagles. Why are we playing that today, Mike Sielski? I think there's a football game tonight, Glenn. <laughs> yes, there is. And it's the Eagles-Giants. And we'll be playing Eagles-Giants highlights all day long to get the fan base pumped up for this thing. But beyond that, Mike, let me run this by you. I think the people need it a little bit. I think the world, and in many respects, the local fan base has lost a little confidence in the Eagles all season long. This was the best team by a lot in the NFC, if not the entire NFL, no doubt. They were going to the Super Bowl. Then came Chicago. We know a lousy game by offense and defense, the one where Jalen Hurts gets injured, and the two losses with Minshew. And the game against the Giants backups where the Eagles didn't show very little, did just enough to win. They haven't won the turnover battle in four games. And here we are, Mike. I listen to the station. I go around town. I hang at my local Wawa. By the way, you're never found there. Funny how uh, that works out. And there has been, there's been a loss of confidence. Uh, the coaches don't have it. The game plans don't work. And so I come to you, Mike. I, I don't want to rip people for what they think, and I kind of see why. It's, it's been a month since we saw that version of the Eagles. But I disagree, and so the question I start with you is, has this team lost its mojo? I don't think it has, Glenn. And I think in one of the things you mentioned there, you put your finger on why. It's been a month, more than a month actually, since we've seen this team really as it's going to be tonight with Jalen Hurts, with the healthy Lane Johnson, uh, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson back in the secondary. Uh, obviously, Avante Maddox being out of the lineup is not good, but that's a loss that you would hope Jonathan Gannon can make up for. But I think that's what is driving so much of the anxiety is this feeling 
that, well, we haven't really seen the Eagles as the Eagles were when they were great in a long, long time. Uh, I also think that we've gotten accustomed here in Philadelphia, if you've followed the Eagles for, you know, five years, ten years, to seeing this team not miss a beat when the backup quarterback goes in and in some cases thrive and excel when the backup quarterback goes in. Obviously, Nick Foles. Win the trophy. Right. Win the trophy. Jeff Garcia in 2006. Yeah. A.J. Feely in 2002. And so we forget that when your starting quarterback gets hurt and that starting quarterback is an MVP candidate, the team is going to be worse for it on average. And that's what happened here, too. It's easy to look back at those Cowboys and Saints games and say, yes, the Eagles didn't play well, but they didn't have Jalen Hurts either. And they have him back tonight. And I also think the final factor, and and obviously I think we're going to get some callers today who probably uh, bring this perspective, is that if you are part of the history of Philadelphia sports, if you've been following it, then you have losses in your mind that weigh on you. You have the 2002 Eagles and the 2011 Phillies and the 2021 Sixers playing the Atlanta Hawks in the second round and the 1996 Flyers who were supposed to win the Stanley Cup it's it's a I don't ru- think you need to recite every what? heartbreaker history, <laughs> the point, but I understand your point. Yeah, point the, made. Point yes. made. So I you think there's go a all lot the way of back to 1964 on this one. Well, we don't have to. I wasn't alive then, but you know, okay. You you, you were you know married with two kids at the time. I think not, right. Not exactly. But yeah, <laughs> second grade. Yeah, but that's all of that plays into it. All of that plays into. Okay, it. and very well spoken. I do think that all plays into it. And so before we get into the specifics of the injuries and the exact status of the team, because you kind of hit on something. Um, with you know this this city being Heartbreak Hotel, and I think that's certainly true. Is it also true that in this town we prefer to be the underdog than the favorite? Oh, absolutely! That, right, we were more confident when we were tugging on those rubber German Shepherd masks five years ago. Abs- I think that's absolutely true, and I also think the other factor that goes unmentioned here, Glenn, is that the Eagles' opponent, the Giants, are in a market where. Either the favorite or underdog hat gets worn all the time and is part of the narrative of any game, any big game that one of those teams is involved in. Having worked there, I can tell you this, you know, the 2007 Giants are regarded as an underdog team, but yet you have the Yankees and you are New York, and so you're supposed to be bigger and better than everybody else. And so anytime a team does well that's connected to New York, it gets pumped up a little bit, I think. Uh, there are references made to Joe Namath and Eli Manning and Derek Jeter and all of these things, and I think that's playing into it, too. There is a narrative that, okay, the Giants are making another run because this is what New York sports teams do sometimes, and I think that's adding to the anxiety from the Philadelphia end of things, too. Right. For those who don't know, Mike Sielski, currently brilliant columnist, compelling for the Philadelphia Inquirer, was once a sports writer. For the Wall Street Journal, which is like being the trophy shiner for the Detroit Lions. Yes. It's <laughs> an odd job. But anyway. I, I have some stories about reader feedback that I could share later that are <laughs> oh, quite interesting. Well, we got you back to town, and it is to our benefit. And so let's go over some of the issues that play into it. By the way, 215-592-9494. Delighted to talk to you today. So we do start with the injuries, right? Because that is the key thing, and that is everybody's biggest worry. And we haven't seen... Lane Johnson, since his injury, he has been practicing this week. Reports are good. At one point, he picked up a 325-pound guy. 
I guess that's a good sign. I mean, that's what he does for a living, I guess, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so we feel about that. Jalen Hurts, we saw, uh, well, two weeks ago against the Giants, kind of, sort of, mm-hmm. right? I mean, very limited in what he did. Clearly didn't take any risks. It was not, we believe, the Jalen Hurts we're going to see today. It can't be. It can't be. And we'll get into that, but it, you yeah. know, it just simply can't be. Okay. So people are nervous about that more than anything. Those two guys, I had them in reverse order, but certainly Jalen Hurts, number one, uh, and Lane Johnson, number two. Is there also this factor? Hey, stuff happens in the playoffs, man. You know, Jacksonville was up 27 to nothing. Momentum shifts. Playoffs can be quirky. You never know. You think that enters people's mind? Absolutely. I think the entire idea of a one-and-done makes Philadelphia sports fans nervous. I think it just does. Yeah. Um, I've used yeah. this example again, not to go back to it, but that 2011 divisional round game between the Phillies and the Cardinals, oh, um, there was so much anxiety in Citizens Bank Park that night. It was not a raucous celebratory, hey, the Phillies are going to win and move on to the league yeah. championship series. It was, uh-oh, we didn't think we'd be in this position. Yeah. Um, Boy, th- that one that one will always stick with me. The 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 ending of the, the tragic... Othello ending at the end yep. of the hero on the ground with the torn Achilles. Yeah, and look, I think, I think, Glenn, the natural physical position for a Philadelphia sports fan is a defensive crouch. Like, they don't want to get hurt. <laughs> Head and, buried in hands. Yeah, and I think a game like this plays into that. We haven't seen the Eagles at their best in a long time. The, the memory, such as it is, of the Giants beating the Vikings is fresh in our minds. It just happened, you know, less than a week ago. And so people have recency bias, and they're looking at this and saying, well, the Giants are playing well. Everybody says how well the Giants are playing, even though they were 7-2 and two at one point and are now 10-7-1 and one this season. Yeah. I, I don't know how hot they really are. Okay. But all of that plays into it, too. Okay, great point. So and everything that you said I thoroughly agree with. So I am here to tell you, and I, I think I know you agree because we discussed this before the show, Everybody, don't worry. I mean, there's no. this is no guarantee. This is no mortal lock. This is no, they can't possibly lose. I would say the Eagles' chances tonight are 85% that they're going to win, and that is a bet I will take any time. The Giants don't have the firepower or the manpower. We can go position by position. The Eagles win almost everywhere. The Eagles ran for 250 yards against the New York Giants last time. Yeah, one or two roster changes. Not a lot. Right. When the game counted, the Eagles beat them 48-22. to 22. Yes. I'm not telling you they're going to win by 26 today. But, Mike, I, I just if we can spend the next three hours alleviating a little fear, I will think that we have done our job. Yeah, and look, the Eagles are the number one seed in the NFC. They've had a 14-3 and three season. If you're a fan of this team, it should be fun. This is supposed to be fun. And they are supposed to win this game. And it's okay to go into, you know, kickoff at 8.15 tonight saying to yourself, if you have rooted for this team for a long time, hey, things are looking pretty good for the team that I root for. And that's okay. Don't, don't hold yourself back from enjoying it and enjoying the ride just because you're worried about what might happen. That's no way to live. That's no way to be a sports fan. Do not forget, people. Eagles had 70 sacks this year. Giants' offensive line is not particularly good. Uh, The Eagles had a defense that led the NFL in sacks. Mm -hmm. They gave up the fourth fewest points in the league. The Eagles' record against winning teams, I think you and I may have covered this last week, was the best in the NFL this year. I hear the the argument every once in a while, like, well, who did the Eagles beat this year? 
The Eagles played in the toughest division in football. Three of the teams in their division made the playoffs. I know they split with Dallas and Washington, but overall, the e- I mean, yeah, Washington, Washington yes. make the playoffs. They yep. split with Dallas, they beat the Giants twice. The Eagles were 7-1 and one against teams with winning records. They beat those ridiculous Vikings that the Giants beat last week. They beat these teams all year long. Yeah. Glenn, you preacher, me choir. Look, okay. the uh, the Giants were seven to two in one, as I said, at one point this season. Since then, they have played the Vikings twice. We have realized now, if we didn't know before, kind of what frauds the Vikings were. Just fired, right? just fired their defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, um, and rightfully so. They played the Colts, who were an abject disaster by the time the Giants played them. They played Washington twice. They played the Cowboys in Dallas, and they played and lost to the Detroit Lions. That is not exactly Murderer's Row. That is not exactly the NFC East in 1989. Uh, so, look, you can you can be a little concerned about tonight. You absolutely can. But going in thinking that, you know, the, the boulder is going to fall on your head and the Giants are going to come out here and destroy the Eagles or, you know, I, I think... Everybody just kind of needs to to dial it down a little bit. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Gannon, who who doesn't blitz and isn't aggressive and is too passive and all those other things that um, certain people like to accuse him of. You know, the Eagles gave up fewer yards per play this season than any team in the NFL. (laughs) It doesn't always feel that way. but No, it doesn't, but they did. Yeah. The thing about Jonathan Gannon's defense is what I've concluded – even though they had 70 sacks, and there's nothing more fun than to watch a sack, is it can be painful to watch, but it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, uh, you know, this has been talked about all year. He will, in in so that the team does not give up the big play, he will allow, the, so the Eagles don't give up the big play, he will allow the other team to go underneath and kind of move down the field and complete short passes, and you're going crazy, and when is he going to blitz and so on, but in the end, they never they don't score. Yeah, you know, there there have been some occasions this season, I'm thinking of the Saints game, uh, the season opener in Detroit, uh, the game in Indianapolis, where the Eagles have allowed uh, a lesser opponent to go right down the field on the first possession. And I can understand that in terms of a, of people complaining about it, because it's a, a momentum thing, right? You're not getting off to the greatest of starts. But go back and look at those games. Generally speaking, um, the Eagles defense tends to shut those opponents down thereafter. And, you know, the Eagles didn't lose that that game against the Saints late in the season, uh, primarily because of their defense. They lost it because they didn't have anything going on offense. And, you know, we can we don't need to rehash that. But so here's one thing I will say about the Giants. I respect their their coaching staff. I think they have an excellent young coach in Brian Dable. I saw what he did for the young quarterback in Buffalo, and he clearly gave Daniel Jones a second lease on life and earned millions of dollars in his next contract. He's really good. And the Giants, with him as coach, should be a good competitor for years. Wink Martindale is the right coach for their defense. By the way, does the name Wink Martindale mean anything to you before this guy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's game show host, Tic Tac Okay, you remember that guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an odd name. Big game show guy. Somebody who did, I talking to somebody the other day who was probably like 38, 40, mm-hmm. who when I made a reference to Wink Martindale, the talk show host, said, what are you talking about? I thought, oh. Oh, man, showing that. your age there, Glenn. Well, he's 38. I thought he would have known. Well, I'm I'm an old 47, so oh, there it's, you, go. you know, I, I remember, you know, Burt Convoy and Wink Martindale and Bob Barker and all the great game show there hosts of old. There. Bob 
Barker. <laughs> uh, I think the Eagles will come out flying tonight. Um, I don't think they'll be rusty. We will continue to talk about it, but let's get a caller in, a call or two in here, 215-592-9494. Bill and Exton starts us out. What do you think, Bill? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, my, my fear is uh, uh, I know the, game, the December 11th first meeting with the Giants, uh, I, I would I would say that was at their best. I think they may have clinched that that week. Um, I look back, and I remember the schedule makers gave the Giants a sandwich against the Commanders. And when I looked at the box, store, box score, it seemed like the Giants didn't play possibly everybody the whole game. Um, since then, obviously, they've been on somewhat of a roll, and we've, we've had some injuries. Uh, I don't know if the Eagles have faced maybe the Giants at their best. And I, I think this game will be won in the trenches. Um, you know, the offensive line we know is, is coming back and healthy. But I've seen a couple of guys on the Giants. This uh, Kevon Thibodeau, he, 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 was, uh, he, was called for, he wasn't called for holding last week. He's been double teamed. I don't think the Eagles offensive line has seen him yet. And then I know that I know their secondary's gotten healthy. So my my fear, if any, is is the uh is the Giants defensive line against okay. our strength, our offensive line. Mike, strength on strength. Yeah, look, the Giants defensive line is gonna be better today than it was back then, but uh, you know, the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. And getting Lane Johnson back, I think psychologically and strategically and physically is nothing but a good thing uh for the eagles uh so does that is that a major concern for me i don't think it really is i think the eagles still have the edge there yeah um i think it's going to take some kooky things happening you know the eagles play carelessly uh fumbles you know things of that nature uh and you can never fully account for those kind of things but just on paper and all the evidence of the 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 entire season suggests the Eagles are the better team and should win this game. And, you know, if you want to look for things to be worried about, of course you can, but I'm, I'm not inclined to do that. I wouldn't start with the offensive line. Right. And Bill, here's the thing. If you, it, it, Lane Johnson comes back today, and we'll see soon enough how well he is holding up. I imagine he's going to gut it through it and be good. And what Lane Johnson gives you is a right tackle who you don't, you, as they say, you put him on an island, you don't have to worry about doubling teaming anybody. The threat on the Giants' defensive line more than anybody is Dexter Lawrence, yes. the nose tackle, and having Lane Johnson out there will allow them to double team less uh, Dexter Lawrence inside. I, I feel okay about it. Yeah, uh, I'm well, with let's, you. We'll get one more here. Let's see what Art has to say. Hey, Art. How you doing, fellas? Thanks for taking my call. You bet. You got it, Art. Uh, and I just wanted to say a couple things about both games. Look, this Giants team is a different team. They, the first game, they had injuries. The second game, they played their scrubs. We haven't faced their number one team. Now we're facing it. And I'm not saying the Eagles are going to lose. They're going to win because player for player, we're better. That's it. And we have, you know, uh, you know, Frisco's offensive line is not too shabby either. But our, our strength is really our front four on defense and Ertz. They're, mm-hmm. they're the two keys. We have the best there. As you, Go- as, Wait, you mean Hertz or Goddard? Because you said Hertz. Well, well, I'm talking about I'm talking about the quarterback. Oh, Hertz. Okay, Hertz, yeah. Uh, Hertz, yeah. Our quarterback, and it was, that, that's the strength. But Frisco uh, is going to is going to is going to beat uh, uh, Dallas handily, handily. Okay. There's huh? no there's no question in my mind because look look what they got. 
They have it. Well, are you worried about they Frisco have... next week at this point? A little bit. Yeah, let's get, let's, we'll let's, get there. We got a show next Saturday. Yeah. We'll worry about that. We'll, we'll cross that bridge, you know, when we get there. When we um, fall off. But it. but this is kind of our point, I think, Len, right? Like yes. San Francisco is starting the last guy who was picked in the draft this year, Mr. Irrelevant. Okay. And I bet if you polled Eagles fans, nine out of ten of them would say, Oh, the the forty ers are gonna kill Dallas and you know, assuming the Eagles beat the Giants, the Eagles are going to have a tough time with the 49ers. Instead of looking at it and saying, hey, the 49ers have a seventh-round pick or sixth-round pick as their rookie as their starting quarterback, you know, maybe he's due to have a lousy game. It's just, it's it shows how people here tend to think. The first two callers, correct me if you see it differently, have been very nervous. Yes. Have found reasons to be worried. Yes. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to change the world today. The Niners are going to come in here next week and be so, so dangerous. These two things may happen. I am not telling you that none of this is uh, outside the realm of possibility. But I believe Mike and I share a common message today, Mike. And what is that? Relax. Exactly. 215-592-9494 with Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The kick is blocked. It's blocked. But it's picked up by Zendayas. And it's Ladwell back. And running in for a touchdown. The Eagles win. Clyde Simmons, I think, bro. The miracle of the Meadowlands 10 years later. That's Merrill Reese, of course, with Stan Walters uh, playing the horns. Uh, And and (laughs) Mike, I was at this game. This is an old school game. It is. This was one of the other miracles at the Meadowlands. I'm going to take you all the way back to 1988. Mm-hmm. Eagles are playing the Giants. It's in overtime. Three minutes into overtime, uh, Eagles pick off a pass, pick off Jeff Hostetler. They get it down to the 13. Buddy Ryan's the coach, calls for Luis Zendejas, future enemy of the people. 
<laughs> to attempt a field goal, 31-yard field goal. Future it's, bounty victim. Right. <laughs> it's blocked by Lawrence Taylor mm-hmm. and bounces right into the hands of Clyde Simmons, who's blocking uh, on the field goal attempt, who picks it up at the 15 and runs it in. And the refs couldn't tell if it was legal because there's a yep. certain rule, like behind the line of scrimmage, in front of the line of scrimmage. And ultimately, they throw up their arms and touchdown. Bill Parcells goes crazy. The Eagles win an oldie and a, but a goodie. And, and I was there for that one when I was with the Philadelphia Inquirer. And it was, you know, it was great. You know, Glenn, just hearing that clip, I got the strongest sensory memory. I can remember exactly where I was when that game took place. I was 13 years old. I was sick. I was lying on the couch at, at home and... I remember watching that game with my mom and dad and just it's it's amazing how hearing a clip like that can bring back it's like I'm there again it's like I'm back you know in my parents house yeah. you know watching Randall Cunningham and uh Reggie White and those teams from the late 80s and early 90s it's it's amazing what a uh you know what a what a sound bite like that can do the memories of sports can really take you there and take you to where you were and, and put you back on that couch and so on uh, in a minute, we're going to get to a column that you uh, wrote earlier this week about what's at stake for Nick Sirianni. But let's get a call or two first. Okay. Let's, talk to, let's talk to Mike, who's got some confidence in Jalen Hurts. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Let's go, baby. E-A-G-L-E-S. Let's go, baby. The Plankton's going to be electrified. Electrified. Who are the members of that choir there? That's my two kids, Lily and Seamus. Nicely done by them. Well done. Well done. We, we got a good little, uh, we practiced. <laughs> well, they got it down. You did the tough part, but they got it down, man. Yeah. They got it down. So, Mike, you're confident just because Hertz will be back and closer to 100%? Yes, I am 100% confident that Jalen Hertz is going to throw the team on his back. We're going to rush all over that defense. Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, I'm 100% confident. I have no worries about the game tonight. All right, so my last question is how late do these, how old are these little guys? Uh, eight and four. All right. How late do they get to stay up? We're going to try halftime, see how they act. they got to be good, though. There you go. Good <laughs> luck with that. You might have to ply them with some candy and chocolate and yeah. soda to get them to the finish line there. That's the, that's the technique. Absolutely. you got kids of your own. You know how that Darn works. right. Darn right. Just pour the dry Kool-Aid packet right into their mouth so yeah. that they... You know, it's oh. like it's like cocaine. I'm telling you. I remember those days when my kids were young. Oh man, they could go nuts. Ryan in Berlin. Hello, Ryan. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I'm sure. excited. I'm ready for this game. I feel like it wouldn't be the Eagles if it wasn't a little bit of doubt. So I love the uh, underdog. You know, with the, everybody being with the injuries, now we're all back. And if you remember, before the injuries, we were blowing teams out. You look at Chicago, you look at the Titans, and then you look at the games that we have with the Giants. I'm more than confident. If Jalen comes out there and he plays like that, then we're in good shape. Yeah, you know, Ryan, I think it's interesting. Look, the Giants are getting some key players back. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But, again, look at the totality of their season. It's not like they were the 86 Giants with Lawrence Taylor and, you know, Leonard Marshall and an incredible defense um, before all those guys got hurt. They're they're statistically a pretty mediocre team, Um, and they did absolutely nothing that first time around to slow the Eagles down at all. Now, I know, again, they were shorthanded in that game, but it wasn't as if they put up much of a fight. It's all going to go down with Hurts. That's the only thing I'm just waiting to see on, you know, the opening drive when they have the ball. Uh, So, let me me ask you this, because I'm glad you brought this up. And I think Mike feels the same way. In, somewhere in the first three or four plays, 
I want to see Jalen Hurts take off. I want him to do an RPO. He keeps the ball. He runs yep. 8, 10, 15 yards, slides. The place will go berserk because we will know all as well. Do you agree? I totally agree. I mean, I get the last game he had he had to play that game, but we have to if we see that we know Hurts is back and I feel like that's it. We know this season he's our MPV player and uh everything is drawn off of that and I'm I'm excited and I'm I'm ready. Go birds. You got it. You, go birds. Right. Good stuff. Thanks, Ryan. There you go. Yeah, Glenn, I do agree with you. I think both emotionally for everybody at the link and the whole idea of home field advantage and getting people excited. And I think strategically, you know, planting the seed in the Giants' minds that, hey, we are getting, if not a Jalen Hurts that's at 100% total health and great health, at least one who can do all the things that the Eagles generally ask him to do. And I think it's vital for them to show early on, hey, if if we need Jalen to run the ball, he can run the ball, and you better be ready for that, and that would open everything else up for the Eagles' offense. Right, and if he does that a couple times, then the Giants have to play it, and then other right. things open up, and he doesn't have to do it. All right, you uh, you had a column uh, earlier this week that I understand, um, but <laughs> in a certain way it plays into the, yeah. oh, my God, bad things can happen. Yes. I, I, let me read a line from it, and then I'll take it. I'm going to do a dramatic reading oh, of boy. Mike Sealski. Okay. Right? All right, I'm a professional actor, you know. Well, this is true. Yeah, I feel like a playwright who's uh, getting his work interpreted by, uh, you know, Marlon Brando. Olivier, yeah. Right? There are certain games that an Eagles head coach cannot afford to lose, and Nick Sirianni faces one of those Saturday. There are certain games that change the perception of an Eagles head coach in Philadelphia, and for Sirianni, this divisional round game against the Giants is exactly that kind of game. Mike? the heck are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. And I think there's a difference, Glenn, between um, being optimistic uh, or realistic, however you want to look at it, about the Eagles' chances against the Giants tonight and accurately presenting what will happen if the Eagles manage to lose this game. And I think if they manage to lose this game, people are going to look at Nick Sirianni and say, okay, uh, your grace period is over. It's great that you got the team to the playoffs your first year when nobody expected them to go to the playoffs and Jalen Hurts wasn't the quarterback that he is now. Uh, and it's wonderful that they went 14-3, and but you lost a game that the team was supposed to win. And when that happens, people's patience around here gets very short. We saw it with Andy Reid after the Eagles lost the NFC Championship game to Tampa Bay. They were a team on the rise right up until that moment. That was a game they were supposed to win, and they didn't. And everything changed for Andy in that moment around here. I think the same thing happened with Chip Kelly. The Eagles were 9-3 in 2014, rolling to a division championship. They lose to Seattle, which is one thing because Seattle was really good. They lose to the Cowboys at home, and all of a sudden, the viewpoint on Chip changed. And I think the same dynamic is at play here for Nick. If they lose this game, the, the guy who suddenly is the everyman, who's really enthusiastic, who's young and fresh and is just himself becomes a guy who okay now you got to win now your annex are starting to get on our nerves uh you know you should have won that playoff game and you didn't and the clock's ticking so to put it in more concrete terms if he loses tonight and i understand you're not saying he is but you're just looking at the, mm-hmm. the potentiality of it then the guy who <laughs> excuse me the quirky guy who orders mediocre chain pizza. <laughs> yes. Why is he ordering lousy pizza, that idiot, until, instead of like, oh, look at the goofball. They're all hanging around eating mm-hmm. cheap pizza. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I think all the things that become in, that are endearing about him now to a lot of people become points of annoyance to a lot of people because he's not delivering on what he's supposed to deliver on. Yeah, I have a friend who got divorced who I won't reveal his name or the details, but I just remember that all of the things about his wife that he found endearing and quirky and fun <laughs> when she was his future wife, he found entirely annoying when he started living with Funny her. how that works out that so way. I, 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 think that, I think that might be what you're talking about. Yes. So, okay, I got it. Eric in Marlton. What are you thinking tonight, Eric? Well, let, let me let me say this. First of all, this is my favorite sports show, period, on radio or TV, so I wanted to send that love to you guys You're first. Very kind. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm, I live in South Jersey now six years. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm unfortunately a Jet fan. I didn't call to talk about that. I speak to a therapist about that every week. <laughs> so I, I didn't, that's, not, that's not what it's about. But I, I, I watched every Eagles game the last two seasons. And, you know, I think this team right now – is really good. I think they're the best team in football, and that includes the Bills and the Chiefs. The Giants, you know, you guys talked about Minnesota being frauds. I agree, a thousand percent. The Giants are also frauds. Maybe not to the, just a tiny bit better at disguising their fraudness, if that's a word. Um, so the Giants are not a good team. They're just not. The, the NFC wasn't great this year. Um, outside of a couple of teams, obviously the Eagles. I think the Eagles not only win this game, I think they like beat them down. I, I think it's a three touchdown game. I think you're going to see 200 yards on the ground um, with um, with Jalen having close to 100 himself. And as far as everybody about the 49ers, I, the 49ers are a really good team. We know the defense, but they're not in the Eagles class. Either are the Cowboys. If I'm the Eagles, I don't fear playing either one of those teams. Now, I think the Eagles are the best team in football, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, will the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals be tougher than anybody in the NFC they'll face? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But I, 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 and this is coming from uh, – I'm not an Eagles fan. Uh, you're a New um, York guy. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah I'm, this, is, this is coming from, an, unfortunately, a Jeff, Jeff fan. Well, see, Eric, thank you for the call. And that's, that's the only thing that worries me about Eric's take on this is that as a Jets fan, I don't know that he knows what good football looks like. <laughs> So how would he know that the Eagles are the best team in the NFL? Sorry, Eric. By the way, uh, and here's the thing with the Giants. And listen, they did win last week. They beat Minnesota. I don't want to take that away from them. They went on the road and they won a game. The NFL added the seventh seed two years ago, right? Yeah, last year was the first time they had it. Last year was? I thought the year before. No, 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 no. It was the Colts and the Bears the year before. Okay, so last year the Eagles got rubbed out by Tampa Bay. We know that. And the Chiefs beat Pittsburgh, I'm looking here, 42-21. to 21. Mm-hmm. This year, you had the Seahawks against San Francisco. It was close at the half. San Francisco ends up winning by 18. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins at the Bills. And the Dolphins gave them a good run, but ultimately lost that game. The seventh seed is, how do I want to say this without sounding like an idiot, way down the list of good teams in the, in the conference. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're you're talking right? a middle-of-the-pack team in the conference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they won nine games during the regular season. That's all they are. Yeah. Hey, coming up at 11 o'clock, what a treat for the people. Palliers. Yes. Uh, from the um, Newark Star, Star Ledger. Ledger. Yep. Yep. Steve Politti. Who, um, when we're going to get his take on the Giants, but he also wrote a column this week, and, and we've all been part of these things. Mm-hmm. 76 reasons to hate Philadelphia. <laughs> Not sure we'll have him read all 76 before we start throwing stuff at him, but we'll have him go through <laughs> Through a couple of them. It, it might take the entire show. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised he only came up with 76. 
Yeah, which would be kind of fun. At noon, we'll talk to Zach Berman of The Athletic at his take on the night. But we want to talk to you, 215-592-9494. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now. Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's finally time to replace those drafty windows and doors, there's no better time to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big window sales event than right now. The great people at Guida Door and Window are extending the big winter sale through January, offering 40% off every window and door you buy. You receive 40% off each expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window. Also includes free, high-performance, low-E glass. And look, if you're in need of a new door, you get 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offer so limited time only. Got to act quickly. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free. Detmer just re-signed, puts it up, and Akers drills it. The Eagles have defeated the Giants. Jeff Garcia, David Akers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Their run continues. They've won six straight now, and they just defeated their division rival, the New York Giants. The last play of the game off the left foot of David Akers, 38-yard field goal good. And a three-point win for Philly. They are off to New Orleans next week. January 7th, 2007. What do you remember about that one, Mike Sielski? I remember covering that game and then heading to New Orleans, as Joe Buck said, the following week uh, to watch the Eagles lose to the Saints uh, in a game they could have won to get yeah, to the NFC Championship game. the pass at the end. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. the, the um, false start call. Was it Matt Schabel, yeah. Schabel I think? Maybe. was the one who caught it. I forget the name of the guard who uh, committed the penalty that wiped out a fourth-down conversion. Yeah. Might have led to a game-tying field goal. Yes, yes, then Andy punted. Yes. Yeah. By the way, just to correct, I was right. They This is the third year of the seventh oh, season okay. in the playoffs. My bad. Two, that's all right. Two years ago, it was Indianapolis losing to Buffalo, and New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans beat the Bears 21-9. to So this is the third year. And the seven seed, listen, the, the Giants beat Minnesota. It's the first time a seven seed won. Well, no, the Giants but, were the six seed. We got that wrong. Well, the Giants were the six seed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was one for two. Yeah. Seattle was the seven seed, and they lost to Oh, San that's Francisco. right. And they got crushed. Yeah. When I mentioned them. All right. Well, there you go. You know what? Let me go to the phone so that I stop saying stupid things. <laughs> Although that's not necessarily going to do that. Uh, Kenny in Downingtown. Hey. hey, Kenny. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great, right, Kenny. Take him a call. Sure. So I, I got to say, here's what I'm hanging my hat on. And you tell me what your thoughts are. I most of Philly, of course, typically pessimistic. But what I'm hanging my hat on is this team is absolutely ready to roll. We got one team that's just happy to be here, and we got another team that was expected to be here. And I'm talking from the top bottom. I mean, heck, what was the Giants' off-season moves? They gave us their best corner, you know. So here they are feeling like Cinderella. And at the end of the day, when it comes to this game, we know. The Giants are probably going to be able to give us one momentum shift. I don't know when that will be. It may be at the start of the game, later in the first half, early in the second, whatever yeah, that is. But... Eagles haven't had a turnover in a while need that. I, I yeah. hear what you're saying, and I hope it's correct, and I certainly am not going to argue your premise. I was with uh, Ray Dinger the other night, and we did a, a Q&A up at uh, 
Puddler's Kitchen and Tap hey, Up. And Glenn, remind yeah. me again who who is Ray Dittinger? My former partner. Oh yeah, it. him. Right. Gotcha. Anyway, um, he said that he senses, and again, this is not to scare anybody, that the Giants are embracing the underdog role much as the Eagles did five years ago. Doesn't mean they're going to win today, but they don't know it's a show. They think it's a damn fight. Ooh. Oh, oh boy. No doubt. So well, five years ago, we were the number one seed, and everybody was doubting on us because of a backup quarterback. So I think Jalen Hurts and the crew is ready to rock and roll. Well, Kenny, thanks for the call. And I think, again, this Glenn, this comes back to what we were talking about uh, at the top of the show, which is the position of having a Philadelphia team as a favorite and a clear-cut favorite is one that I think a number of fans uh, struggle to embrace. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure. You know, and so it's hard you finding somebody like Kenny who is looking at this and saying, "Look, the Eagles should win the game." Um, it's it's harder to find those kind of people. I think um, I thought Eric, who called early in the show, uh, being a Brooklyn native, you know, I thought his his perspective was interesting. He's certainly a much more kind of neutral party to all of this. He doesn't come with all the emotional historical baggage of being a Philadelphia sports fan and so he looks and just says hey I've watched your team all year the last two years they're really good they should win you know I'm from Brooklyn all of this said um and however people may be feeling deep down inside the energy tonight at that place Mm -hmm. at kickoff is going to be fantastic yeah the home field three-point advantage is going to be it's going to be more than three points it's yes. going to be a great crowd tonight. The weather's going to be fine. It's going to be about 35 to 40 degrees. supposed to rain tomorrow, but be fine tonight. Uh, people are going to get there early. I, You know, everybody is like, well, they're all going to be drunk out of their mind. They're really not. I <laughs> no, do those pregame no. shows. I do them all the time. You get a couple people who straggle in, who don't understand they're there to watch a football game. But most people, you know, they may have a, a drink or two, but they – that crowd will be ready and fired up and terrific. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it'll be a great atmosphere. And also, I think I'm actually looking forward to getting to the stadium relatively early. I want to watch the Jacksonville-Kansas City game at 4.30. I mean, yeah. it's Doug against Andy and Mahomes against Lawrence. That's a great matchup. I would love to see Doug pull it out. I, I don't think so. I No, I don't think so either. I but think Andy's, I think Andy's going to run it up as much as he needs to and then you know, decide, ah, I don't need to embarrass Doug. You know, I, I love the whole, like, teacher versus student narrative, though. I just love that. Oh, yeah. I, and, and Jacksonville's a really, it's a fun team to root for right Yeah, now. yeah, absolutely. John in Pittsburgh, on the other side of the state. What's happened, John? Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm a Philly transport over here. And uh, so I'm calling to uh, alleviate the worries of Eagle fans who are who are worried because of that Eagles last showing against the Giants. Okay. And uh I'm going to so it, when I thought about that game I thought about an experience that I had a sports experience that I think parallels a little bit. So real quick uh in high school wrestling some high schools have a thing called a wrestle off mm-hmm. before every match and yep. what that means is the uh the reigning starter, which I was mm-hmm. for my high school team, uh, is uh, he could be challenged he, by the, the other kids in the weight class. Yeah, 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 yeah. The day before the match, the coach says, "All right, anybody want to wrestle mm-hmm. against John?" And every week, 
this guy named Bob would say, I do. <laughs> and all year I would beat this kid, Mercy, Mercy, yeah, really beat him bad. I mean, there was no contest. He's an yeah. underclass. Yeah, but then at the end and, he, uh, uh, he took you down? No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was for Eagles. Uh, so I would roll my eyes, say, I got to wrestle this kid. And, you know, I would almost go through the motions because I knew I could just turn it up. John, you got to get to the end of the story because we got to move. All right, all right. So So the end comes. It's the playoffs. It's the districts. It's the regionals. And? All right. The point is, the point is, uh, so the Eagles played the Giants, you know, a couple weeks ago. They're like, oh, we're going to win this. I mean, you know, it wasn't. Anyway, we we, got to run. John, we got to go. We got the point of your your bad story, but we appreciate it. Sorry, John. His glory but, days. Didn't yeah, exactly no, play but I, I, I don't mean to be rude to the guy. But I think I, his point was. I see 40,000 listeners rolling their eyes. Yeah, I think his point was that the Giants are the kid who kept challenging him yeah, yeah. week after week. And the kid never beat him, which right. is good because the storybook ending, of course, is the kid beats him and goes on to states. So we'll yeah. leave that out. Yeah. All right, let's take one call before we go. Already in the park. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sean, pal, Sean, yeah. Sean, how did you get in this early? I'm not in. I'm sitting outside on Patterson Avenue. Well, I'm just outside the K line, the link line. I mean, the lot doesn't open till three thirty, but I got here about quarter of eight or quarter of nine, rather. Sean Young does not sleep. Are he there, waits. Not well, not well. <laughs> are there are there any cars in front of you? Uh, there are not. I right now I am currently uh, doing the sequel of uh, Will Smith with I Am Legend. <laughs> <laughs> so when that gate finally opens, and listen, I will say this. You're good to get there early because there is nothing slower in this city than the people who take the tickets at the Eagles parking lot. Oh, it's, goodness. It's, oh. It is an unbelievably slow process. So good for you. You'll get in first. And I imagine you're feeling pretty good. I I really am, to be honest with you. Look, I know the division games are always tough no matter what. And obviously, play um, you know, the playoffs, it gets amped up even more. And I, I understand that this is, you know, most people think that this is going to be a nail-biter. I don't think it's going to be a nail-biter. I think we're going to win fairly handily. It might be a little bit of a, a you know, nip and tuck for a little bit. But I think all in all, when it comes down to it, I think we'll open it up. And, and, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they do open it up early on them. I just, it, look, we're a number one seed. We're not getting the respect as a number one seed. I know we're, we're, we're a favorite today as opposed to 17 where we were underdog twice. But we're not getting the respect as a number one seed. I was looking at the NFL Network, and they have the rankings of all the playoff teams left, and we're like fifth out of eight. I mean, that's not eight. Just, wait, a second. wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Kansas City, Buffalo, okay. I mean, that, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. Well, they got San Francisco ahead of the Eagles? And Cincinnati. And Cincinnati? Wow. Yes, and then they have Dallas right behind us, the Giants, I think, behind Dallas, and then I think Jacksonville last. Uh, I'm certainly so glad at least like, they put the, it, put the Cowboys it, behind us. Yeah. Well, yeah, but favors. it's just like, that's the thing. We're still a number one seed, but we're ranked fifth overall, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, we're a favorite today, but we're not getting the respect and stuff, and that's fine. Look, we can sit there and give all the billboard you know, material that we want as fan base and stuff. The locker room knows this, too. They know that they're not getting the respect that they deserve, but they're not chirping. And believe me, they will chirp on the field when it comes down to it. They'll be out there to play, and they're going to show people that they deserve this number one seed. We're in the city of Philly, you know, the city of brotherly love for a reason. We wanted this one seed. It took a little bit longer to get here, but we're here now, and we're not giving it up. And we have a second chip to chase. There you go. Thanks, Sean, for the Sean, call. Sean, always a pleasure. Always great to hear from you, man. We'll Bye. see you down there. We'll see you at the pregame.
You got it. So uh, he will, of course, be at the at the pregame. Oh, yeah. Ready to go. I, I ran into him at the Philly airport last week. I was flying back from a, a reporting trip and walking through the terminals, and there was Sean. Was he in a jersey? He was not. He was not. I almost didn't recognize him because he was dressed as a civilian. <laughs> By the way, I mentioned the pregame. Uh, tonight, the pregame, and we got the, the whole gang. Ike is going to be there, and Elliot, and Ross Tucker will be there for the first hour. Rube, the whole, everybody's going to be there. We check in with Merrill. Um, at 7 o'clock, how's this for an alumni lineup? Brent Selleck, Malcolm Jenkins, Tory Smith, and Brandon Brooks. Oh, my gosh. And I promise you, at 7.14, I will implore successfully those four gentlemen to get up and lead the crowd in an uh, Eagles chant. You, you know, Glenn, just you listing those names, um, it makes me think of what how much fun it was to cover that 2017 team yeah. not just because they went on and won the super bowl but because of how mature and smart so many guys in that locker room were well, that that's a good list right there you know those four guys and those four guys are right at the top of the list yeah no question about it 215-592-9494 coming up we talk to mike sielski's absolute best friend on this <laughs> earth steve politi columnist for the star legend and i agree with him all the time on 76 everything. reasons he hates philadelphia 94 wip Matt dodged the punt. It's a high snap. Gets it away. It's a knuckler. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Midfield. He's at the 40. Well, December 19th, 2010, MetLife Stadium. Everybody knows that play. Let's check in with Steve Politi, our friend from the Newark Star-Ledger. Steve, where were you that day? What was your vantage point? Oh, there. Yeah, it was there. (laughs) Press box. Remember it well. That was something else. Um, So, Eagles-Giants tonight. I want to start with the the really easy two-part question, which is Daniel Jones got drafted number six, I believe, in 2019. One pick ahead of Josh Allen. And before this season was pretty much viewed as a failed pick, but not now. He's had a very good season, was brilliant against the Vikings last week. So the easy two-part question is, what's been the cause of the turnaround and what's his future in New York? Yeah, you know, I think he's finally gotten good coaching. You know, I mean, it's as simple as that. And, and you know, Brian Dable, of course, is the, is the guy who, who helped turn Josh Allen into Josh Allen. Of course, Obviously, Josh Allen had a lot to do with it himself, but to finally have a guy who could take advantage of, of what, what Daniel Jones does well, to give him a system that, you know, that takes advantage of what strengths that this team has. And I think that Daniel Jones, in a lot of ways, figured it out. He's not turning the ball over, which was the big problem his first two years. You know, he's only got four or five interceptions this year. He's cut back on, on the fumbles. Uh, the other big question was, could he stay healthy? He's been healthy the entire year. So that, that made, that's a big difference, too. Uh, and you can see what he does, what he's been able to do using his legs, that adds another dimension to to that offense. Uh, his future, I think they're they're going to bring him back. You know, it depends on what level of contract the two sides can agree on. But I think there's got to be some fair medium, some three year, hundred million dollar deal that 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 kind of gets to you know gets both sides in a position where they they think they could they could uh, do well with that. I do wonder though, it's a good question. Like, 
Does playoff success make that to the point where now Daniel Jones is going to command an even longer deal? I think that's going to be the big question in the offseason, whether or not his side will look for something that, you know, one of the mega, mega deals you're seeing with quarterbacks. Steve, it's Mike. What is Hi, it? Mike. Hey, uh, what is it about Dable that makes him such a good coach? Is it connecting with players? Is it his strategic approach to offense or defense or both? What, what is it about him that's allowed him to kind of turn the Giants around here? Yeah, I, th- I think the first part is he has definitely connected with the players in a way that, you know, Joe Judge and before him, Pat Shermer, Ben McAdoo, I mean, they haven't had exactly, you know, murderous row in the last few years. I think that's the first part, but I do think there's just a, there's a, there's a, there's a scheme, scheme part of it too, uh, a strategy part of it, you know, and it, it comes down to just getting, finally building around what this team's strengths were. I mean, this is not a great roster. Um, you know, the, the, there hasn't been a lot of talent on offense, and they, they just found a way to take advantage of, of the, the good stuff that they have. Uh, and you've seen, you've seen, you know, not quite to the Minnesota Vikings level of winning in close games, but they've been really good in close games. And I think that's part, part of the fact that this team is adaptable. Uh, they change things. Dable change, changes things on the fly. Uh, he's come up with good game plans, and he's a good in-game coach too. You know I mean? Like this season only started because he had the guts uh, to go for two against Tennessee at the end of that game and, and called the perfect play to just steal one on the road in Nashville. If not for that, I don't think they're sitting here in the playoffs. Steve Politti is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Politti, P-O-L-I-T-I. All right, finish this sentence for us, if you would, uh, and we'll get your pick on the game in a little bit, but finish this. If the Giants are going to win tonight, it's because of? Uh, Jalen Hurts plays poorly. That's what I think. Is okay, so it's on the Eagles to lose the game, yeah, I think, Yeah, I think that the defense, if Wink Martindale comes up with something, uh, if, 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 I just, I just, you know, just because I think the Eagles are just a lot better. And I, I wrote this when I get, I get it, it's not the same team in December, but I wrote a sentence after that game when, when the Eagles blew them out 48 22 that I'm not sure there's a single position group where the, the Giants have an advantage. Like I couldn't come up with one, maybe running back, but I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, if you had the choice between, you know, Miles Sanders or Saquon Barkley, you wouldn't pick, you wouldn't pick the Eagles guy. So, um, and I, so I just think it comes down to, are they going to be able to force him into to make some mistakes? Are they going to win the turnover battle? Uh, you know, and, and is he going to struggle in, in the playoffs and, and, you know, with the pressure on in the playoffs? I think that's kind of the big thing. I don't, I don't think he will, but I think that's kind of their best way. I mean, I don't think uh, they can win a shootout against this team. Um, I think, you know, as good as Daniel Jones played in Minnesota, he's going to have a much more difficult time uh, running the ball, and he's going to face some pressure from – the Eagles defense. So I think it just comes down to that. Though. They're going to make the most mistakes. So Steve, one of the, I think one of the reasons for kind of uh, anxiety in the Philadelphia region over the, over this game is that the Eagles haven't been at full strength and, and people haven't seen them at their best, maybe since that Giants game, you know, they won the following week against the bears, but then Hertz got right. injured and they, you know, I think we could safe to say they were holding back against the Giants in that final regular season game. You've covered the Giants and the Jets for for a while. You've been around football for a long time, and you've seen situations where teams, you know, enter the playoffs hot or enter the playoffs as the number one seed. Uh, is there any kind of conclusion that you draw or, you know, perspective you might have to, to look at the Eagles and say, oh, okay, th- this is something uh, that Philly fans should be worried about, or they shouldn't be worried for these reasons. You know, I think absolutely it is a valid concern. You know, you're looking at giant, I mean, recent Giants history, the, their best team 
was probably that 2018 that lost to the Eagles, 23-11. I get it, you know, like Kyle Burris shot his leg off at a <laughs> nightclub. That certainly didn't help. That's right. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you think about it when you're 11 to one in in November. That's not when you want to be at your best. You want to be at your best now. So uh, I can certainly understand the concern. Yeah, I don't know though. You know, you've but how many times have you seen the exact opposite? I guess is the question. Like how many times has has a fan base been worried and you get to the playoffs and now they've had basically three weeks to to rest, to to make sure Jalen Hurts is healthy, to come up with a game plan. I mean, I have to imagine that puts him in a better position than than the Giants having to travel to Minneapolis on Sunday, a short week, the whole thing. You know, I mean, I, if you were to take one of the two positions, you'd rather have the home game on essentially three weeks rest than what the Giants are going through. So, you know, I I, I do wonder. I, I think this would be the kind of game where both for the Eagles' sake and for the fan base' sake, they come out and, Take an early seven nothing, ten nothing lead. That certainly would, you know, would be a uh, would make a lot of uh, people's anxieties uh, ease up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree that that I understand why they're worried. I think you I think you read it pretty well. All right, Steve, I I, I want to transition if I may to something you wrote this week, but uh, I'm going to do it by playing a clip um, from earlier in the week that Dexter Lawrence uh, said up there <laughs> about. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It's him talking about his mom going to the game tonight. You know, I know that fans going to be out there, and, you know, I hope we travel well. How do you describe that environment? Like he said, gritty. Uh, hard nose. I told my mom she can't come to the games because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she'd get, go back at them. But um, it should be fun, and I'm excited. All right. Um, I don't know. I, you wrote a piece earlier this week, and you, you found all the familiar tropes. I'll give you credit for that. 76 <laughs> reasons to hate Philadelphia. I'm just going to read the beginning and then maybe one or two others and kind of get you to explain your thought process here other than poking a stick at us. Uh, this is specifically for readers who live above exit 7A on the New Jersey Turnpike. This is for everyone who will not be among the Santa booing. Really? Really with the Santa <laughs> You know that was nineteen. Come on, you know that was nineteen sixty-eight, right? Uh, it's nice uh, it, uh, Think about the how long the universe has existed. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's not that long ago in that time. Good right? comeback. Santa booing, horse punching, stadium jail needing, WIP drunk dialing. Hey, that, that's us. <laughs> Those are our people. Our audience, F- fans swarming the parking lot hellscape outside Lincoln Financial Field in their tattered astroturf green jerseys this weekend. Well, you got seven of them right there. Right there. Yeah. Um, the, uh, your basis f- for uh, deciding to uh, write this and stir it all up? Uh, just have some fun. And uh, I talked I talk to Sulski understands this. It's like when you're, when you're doing the playoffs, you've got to come up with, you know, four or five column ideas a week. And then when you're covering an underdog, you kind of shoot, you shoot your load in the first week because you don't know <laughs> they're going to be there the next week. And then they win that game. You're like, oh, boy, we've got to come up with five more ideas. So you can only imagine the boat I'm going to be in if they, beat, if they win this game. But yeah, just have some. And the fans took it with it. They really, uh, I had a lot of just really funny responses and oh, replies, yeah. and and some of them were like really like one guy. They take a, they take offense to like one thing in particular. Well, I'm like about to do that. Their, I'm yeah, actually going to say, yes, three in a row. Hold on, because you you did <laughs> your number sixty one through sixty three. <laughs> Will Smith is from Philly. Yeah, well, okay, I guess the slap, but okay, yeah. Michael Buffer, too. Michael Buffer's our friend. Who are you going to get Michael Buffer? <laughs> Larry Fine, the least funny stooge. Larry yeah. Fine yeah. Was, the, was the subtle yeah. stooge. Larry Fine yeah. was the literate stooge. Why would you take a shot at Larry Fine? 
I got an email, 800 words, explaining to me why he was the true genius of the Three Stooges. <laughs> That's exactly. Well, you got my, I, I I'm glad you got my say, letter. I was going to I can only reply, you're absolutely right, sir. You're, I mean, yep. if you're going to put that much thought into this email, I can only say, you got me. I only have 75 right. reasons now. And, and I just have two more, the and then I'll turn it over to Mike for a while. Mm-hmm. Hall and Oates met in Philly. You do not take a shot at Hall and Oates in this <laughs> town. <laughs> you don't. And you could tell, you could tell I, was out of, I was out of ammunition at that point because yeah. I had to list Hall and Oates independently, right? I yes, I noticed both, that, 67 to 68. Get, and then yeah, you go, so here's my favorite one because it relates to Mike specifically. As for Wawa's, okay, fine. Thanks for those. Oh, that killed me, Chief. That overrated. killed me. <laughs> you gotta love the Wawa. Come on. Uh, I, I don't. I, I can love a lot about Wawa. I don't have to love everything about Wawa. The two that bothered me were yeah. uh, the Palestra is a dump. Yeah, that was probably overstating. A little bit, yeah. and then you made you made a reference yeah. to a training room in the Spectrum, which would right. have been funny if the Spectrum still existed. Is it the, the, the build, the bulldozer? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure the about, DNA still about exists fifteen in years ago. Yeah. There's still some Dave. There's still some Dave Schultz teeth in whatever rubble was knocked down, though, right? <laughs> I would think if, so. If I yes. dug there in the ground, you would find some some evidence of, uh, you know, of, of Dave Brown's. Uh, there's something. There, there is. And, and it's, there. you know, it's funny, Steve. Glenn and I were talking about this early in the show, and I made the, the point that New York, in some ways, is, as a sports market, can kind of be whatever it wants to be in some respect. Yeah. You know, there is the element of we are New York, we are the town of the Yankees and greatness, and we are the cultural and, and financial capital of the world. And then I think your sensibility as a, as a columnist certainly tends more toward the North Jersey market you know connected to new york and that north jersey market is much more philadelphia like i think in its sensibilities yeah, no question. yep absolutely we have more in common with you guys than we probably do with whoever's living in battery park you know completely correct yeah. <laughs> well yeah. steve it, it, it yeah. is a really fun and funny and, and outrageous column which uh i enjoyed steve politi follow him uh at steve politi on Twitter, uh, NJ Advanced Media and the um, uh, Newark Star Ledger. Thank you, not the Burger. And can I just say one more thing? And yeah. gritty, gritty. If you're listening, gritty, I, I apologize. You really that was an unnecessary shot too. And it's just jealous because we don't have good mascots up here. We don't. No, you Giants don't. Don't have one. Yankees don't have one. Can you imagine if the Jets had a mascot? Holy cow! No, the closest be a disaster. The, the the closest two you have are Mister Met, who's not very good. Oh, terrible no, baseball just, head. And yeah, and yeah. Patrick Warburton for the New Jersey Devils. You know <laughs> the putty on Seinfeld. <laughs> he's a mascot. Absolutely. You know, he embraces it. Yes. Got to support the, the team. <laughs> uh, real quick, Steve, what's your prediction tonight? I'm going with uh, the Eagles by, I don't know, give me like a, a 31-21 kind of game. That yeah. sounds like a very good score. Actually, yeah, almost we'll identical to mine. Steve, yeah. a pleasure. We'll have you again. Thanks so much. Thanks, gentlemen. Enjoy. Take care. All right, there you go. Thanks, Stevie. He's he's a terrific columnist. He is absolutely uh, a must-read up there if you care at all or are interested in it at all in the New York sports teams. Um, and I like him in part because he doesn't like writing about baseball. Um, he just won't do it. <sighs> You know, I know, and I think that takes guts in, new, in the New York market to say, I'm not writing about baseball. I, yeah, but you're talking to I'm an old seam head. I love reading about baseball. I love writing about baseball. I love watching baseball. I know you and I have discussed it among mm-hmm. the four sports. You have baseball as your number four. Yes, now I do. But, uh, you know, I have hey. baseball now as, as my number two. 
uh, and it's many, many years been my number one. I'll say this, Glenn, the, yeah. the opportunity to watch Trey Turner every day yeah. uh, and the rules changes that are coming to the sport uh, may move end up moving baseball up on my list. We'll Rumor see. has it you may have a Trey Turner uh, column uh, coming down the pike. I do, in fact. Uh, I went down to Raleigh last week to uh, talk to people about him because he had uh, gone to college at NC State. So nice. that'll, that's on the agenda. Looking forward to that. All right, let's sneak at Kevin in Quakertown. Before the break, Kev, what do you think? Hey, how you doing? This is uh, – how you doing, guys? Yeah, Good. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I Thank think you. The Eagles, I think the Eagles are a two-touchdown uh, winner. Um, I don't really see any need for the Debbie Downers to get upset like they are. You know, hear a lot of it. My big question was for you guys is this. You know, we don't hear much about uh, the third-string quarterback book. Uh, I'm not saying that we want to invite him into a playoff game. What? But um, let's say, for instance, if something would happen that Jalen couldn't finish a game. No, no. Do we no, bring back? No, no. no. You, have, you have no choice. This kid's never played a down. No. no. Tr- no. Trust me, Kevin. Um, the Eagle. If Jalen Hurts were to get injured again to the point that he couldn't play, it's going to be Gardner Minshew. And uh, again, that this brings up what I think we mentioned at the top of the show. I think Eagles fans have gotten spoiled over the years with how well their backup quarterbacks have played, even to the point where in 2002 the third string guy came in and they kept winning games. If the Eagles have to play Ian Book, they're in deep doggy doo-doo. Of all of the calls I anticipated to get today and all of the names that we might be talking about on the roster, I think Ian Book would have been would not have cracked the top 100. He would have been, I think he would have been behind some guys who don't play anymore, but just happened to be, you know, part of the Eagles giant rivalry. Hey, we were Clyde Simmons in here. We were. Clyde Simmons is more relevant than Ian Book. If we get Reggie Brown and, uh, you know, uh, Juquay Parker in here, then we're really uh, digging deep. 215-592-9494. We'll take your calls coming up with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94. All right, what we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big winter sale through the month of January. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at go-g-u-i-d-a.com. I don't want to spend a lot of time because it's, you know, we got pressing Eagles business, so yes, I don't want to get do. too sidetracked by TV. But I will just quickly tell you that I checked out uh, this week Season 2, Episode 1 of Your Honor, on Showtime, which is the great show starring Brian Cranston uh, as a judge in New Orleans who happens to have things go very, very wrong for him. Um, I loved season one. It's funny. I was talking with our producer, Kyle, during the mm-hmm. break. He hasn't watched it. He said he, he saw it got some bad reviews on Rotten Tomato. Wow. I thought season one was a terrific show, and episode one of season two picked right up. Um, it's on Showtime. If you don't get Showtime... You know what? Get it like for a month and watch this, and there are a couple other shows, and then and then get rid of it. Um, I think Succession is on Showtime, so you should watch that. But um, I did you? Are you a guy you watch Your Honor? I do not. I don't have okay. Showtime. Um, I, you know, 
You know what? You've recommended you, spend like twelve bucks. But, but here's the thing, Glenn. You've recommended this before. We're like get the get the channel or the yeah. streaming service for a month and then cancel exactly. it. I, I am so absent minded that I yeah. will forget which ones I have and which ones I don't and which ones I should have canceled and which ones I haven't. Uh, point taken because I think I currently subscribe to about six. But yes, okay. One other TV thing I want to talk about is let's talk about the broadcasters. Okay. Uh, and we'll go with the. I'll give you the lineups today and tomorrow for the games. It's going to be just a fun smorgasbord of watching <laughs> football. So we start with Jackson at Kansas, Jacksonville, Kansas City, NBC, 430 today. Mike Tirico, Chris Collingsworth on TV. Your review of that squad. I like Tirico a lot. Uh, I think he's really good. I think he knows when to talk and when not to talk, and that is uh, an underrated skill in a play-by-play guy, uh, but one that I think we're all kind of aware of and, and make notes of when somebody fails at it. And I'm going to mention somebody in a second who fails at it miserably. Uh, Collinsworth, I could take or leave, to be honest. I think he's too much the kind of thing anymore. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of him. I think Collinsworth is very smart. I hear your point on him. My other thing with Collinsworth is I think sometimes he roots for a particular narrative. Let's go back to Super Bowl 52, where it became clear that he got caught up in the Tom Brady is going to have this amazing comeback. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, and I'm not saying this just as an Eagles fan, uh, because I know that a lot of people who are not kind of concluded, he was rooting for Brady to win that game. And if you are an Eagles fan, you have every reason to not be happy with that. By the way, on radio calling this game is Kevin Harlan and Trent Green. Kevin Harlan, to me, may be the best play-by-play guy anywhere. I'm a big Harlan guy, and I will say this to your point about Collinsworth and Super Bowl 52. If you, if anyone listening is near Google, look up an article, a piece that a guy named Dan McQuaid, a Philadelphia native and a terrific writer, wrote yeah. about the sound that Collinsworth made on the telecast yeah. when Brandon Graham forced the fumble on Brady. That that he makes. It is hilarious. It is so true. And, you know, if you get a chance to read that piece, you should. Good point. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right. Eagles Giants tonight. If you're staying home to watch it, you got Joe Davis, the home run of his life. Mm -hmm. Is that the line? Yeah. The swing of his life. Swing of his life. There you go. Thank you. Uh, And Moose Johnston, uh, Pam Oliver, and Christina Pink on the sidelines. I'll ask you to speak at length, but. I'm fine with those guys. I think those guys are good. They're fine. Uh, Pam Oliver, total pro. Uh, you know, love seeing her on games just because she's been around forever, and and doing that job, which can be a challenging job at the highest level. Big fan of Pam Oliver, uh, Davis, and and Moose. I can take or leave. I think Davis tends to be a little canned sometimes, um, but he's a young guy. He's in his it's middle. The pass age. of his life. Yeah, it, it's, it's the catch of his life. Yeah, it, it just. <laughs> uh, but he's in his mid to late thirties, so there's room for him to to grow and get better. And I think he's he's pretty good now. I just. I I find him a little candid. Okay, times. and I, I like Moose. I am inclined to sometimes not like ex Cowboys. I think Moose Johnson's fine. Uh, by the way, doing radio uh, on that Kevin Cooler and Ross Tucker. Oh, perfect. So Ross is going to be at the uh, Countdown to Kickoff show that we are doing tonight from five to six with me and Dave Spadaro, and then run upstairs and do this thing. So love. And by the way, Ross isn't done. We'll get to that later because tomorrow. Uh, 3 o'clock mm-hmm. on CBS, Cincinnati at Buffalo, Jim Nance on the play-by-play, Tracy Wolfson on the sidelines, and Tony Romo as the color man. I'll put down the mic and allow you to speak at length. Uh, 
I have to be honest here, Glenn. Jim Nance and Tony Romo uh, form one of my least favorite broadcasting tandems in professional sports. I think Jim Nance, you know, I, I use the word canned with respect to Joe Davis. I feel that Jim Nance has become totally canned. The the hello friends, the the just the way that he delivers a game or calls a game now, I find grating. And Tony Romo does not know when to be quiet. I caught the, and I think you did too, the opening kickoff of uh, the Bills-Patriots game after DeMar Hamlin had suffered uh, cardiac arrest in the field. Very emotional moment. Mm -hmm. And the Bills, you know, Naheem Hines returns the kickoff for a touchdown. And, And it was such an emotional moment and such an incredible moment that it called for the broadcasters to just be quiet and soak in that moment. And Tony Romo talked all over it. He would not shut up. And it was basic color commentary. Just be quiet. No one wants to hear from you right now. And he he couldn't do it. The whole predicting what play is coming next has lost its luster. And I am not a fan of that broadcasting team at all. Tony Romo's ability to predict plays was kind of cool and different and extremely accurate and impressive and he has now gotten to the point where i think he's a caricature and just makes ridiculous noise oh look at this oh my god this yeah. Is yeah and and he is more detrimental than positive and i didn't like him as a player and i don't like him as a broadcaster and so by the way i said that they're they're on tv on the radio is ian eagle and and uh, our old pal mike mayock and the reporter ross tucker so Ross is calling the Ross is doing the pregame with us tonight, then calling the game on the sidelines tonight, and then driving. I talked to him. He's going to drive to I think Brockport or Corning after the game tonight. Stay overnight, wake up, and finish the drive to Buffalo. Ross is a he's a monster. He's man. he's a machine. And you know what, Glenn, I'm looking forward to seeing him tonight. I hope not to talk football, but to talk food and beer. Because uh, if you follow Ross oh, yeah, on Twitter, uh, he does his tuck spreads thing where he does a camera shot of what the is being served in the press box and he's always tweeting about the beers that he's drinking and things like that just a good guy and really good at his job yeah he puts a lot of pressure on the team to put out pretty good food he does so hopefully he does work tonight because i'm gonna be down there all <laughs> night so i wouldn't mind eating something uh and then the wrap up tomorrow night on fox 6 30 prime time again and understandably it's a compelling game uh, Dallas at San Francisco, Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson, kind of the newcomer to the group uh, on the on the play, and Aaron Andrews and Tom Rinaldi on the sidelines. I think Burkhardt's a pro. I think Olson's got a way to go, but I find him pleasant to listen to and think that he will become better with the job. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. First of all, Kevin Burkhardt is a, is a really good friend of mine. I got to know him when I was covering the Mets up in New York, and he was working for SNY, uh, covering oh. the team as well. Uh, and I would be saying this if he weren't my friend. I think he's really good at his job. I think he's very easy to take and smart, uh, allows the game to kind of carry the action and puts himself in there when he needs to. I think you're 100% right about Greg Olson. I think he's pretty good, and he's going to get better. Uh, and I'm a big believer in just, you know, a play-by-play guy and an analyst should augment what I'm watching. They should not become the reason necessarily that I watch, and I think those two guys do that pretty well. And there you go, and there's the lineup for the weekend, and uh, man, it should be a lot of fun. What time are you headed down to the game? Well, I'm actually, uh, I'll probably get there probably around 
four o'clock or so, I think. Okay, yeah. so you'll be able to sit around and watch some of the. Yeah, some of the that, first that's my plan. Today. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and yeah, I, I'm yeah, lucky yeah. too. I don't have to. Um, I don't think I have to write a column for the buzzer tonight. I think my my colleague and our colleague here at WIP, Marcus Hayes, has that responsibility tonight. So I have the. Uh, the time to be able to go down to the locker room and stay really late and, oh, nice. and write something. So that's good. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, for people who don't know, writing, running is a very tough challenge for the beat guy as the game is going mm-hmm. on, a late game like that. Uh, and being the guy who has to file the first column, you you tonight get a little bit of a of an advantage to let the words flow. Let it all just kind of marinate in yeah, my writing mind, go. Glenn. Yeah. Yep, there you go, Ray. You can be like Ray. You can get locked in the press box in the middle of the <laughs> which happened to him more than once. I know, I know. He's told that story about the uh, Bears-Patriots Super Bowl. Oh, well, that one. But I'll just tell this one real fast. It was, Giants, it was a Giants Eagle game, a Giants stadium. Mm-hmm. And he was in so late that he got locked in, had to oh, climb man. over whatever wall or fence or whatever. <laughs> uh, finally, I had a guard let him out. Gets to his car. It's kind of snowing, sleeting. Mm-hmm. His and car, yeah. the, the windshield's broken, I think, right? That's it. The yeah. windshield is broken because he realized he parked with Pennsylvania plates right in the middle of a Giants tailgate zone. <laughs> so he has to drive home at 2 in the morning with the windshield completely shattered and out. Not like cracked, but like gone, you know? Oh, and man. He has to brush the glass pieces off of the car seat before he drives. And he drives, and for whatever reason, it starts sleeting he instinctively puts on the wipers. <laughs> There's no windshield. There's just wipers. So he's coming home, and he gets to the Ben Franklin Bridge, and he goes to the toll, <laughs> and the guy you know, goes to take his dollar, and the guy says, you know, your windshield's out. Did, did the guy guess that when Ray reached through the windshield to hand him the dollar? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. That's great. That's All great. right, let's get to – oh, it's our friend Jerry – Hopefully on the road right now in the semi. Jerry, are you are you moving right now? Well, I'm I'm, I'm getting ready to be on the move. Okay. But you know, you got I got to start the call off with this, the fellas. There it is. There it is. Wow. The call to action. Okay, so I got a couple quick things. I'm not. I, I won tickets to the game on Angelo's show on Tuesday, but I can't go. Oh no. So ah. Yeah, because, you know, I'm on the road, you know, I'm a working man, but my son and his mother are going to the game, so... Sweet. They're all... Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to the game, so they're all stoked up. My son is, because he's 19, he's never been to a playoff game. I think he's only been to one Eagles game. So they're just, like, you know, all ecstatic about going to the game. Well, they so, should be. They should be. It's yeah, going to be a heck of an atmosphere, yeah. and, you know... I, I think Glenn and I have said throughout the show, Jerry, we think the Eagles should will win and should win. Yeah, they're going up with they're going to actually go and hang with one of my son's friends' families who don't have tickets to the game, but they're just going up to tailgate. And they those people are going to Xfinity while my son and his mom are going to the game, which is kind of funny to me. I always <laughs> uh, so wait, wait before we let you go because we've got to hit a break. Give us your prediction. Uh, the, the Eagles are going. To, Eagles are going to win by at least ten. Um, there you go. So. I'll take um, that. Check, yeah. check, check out American Vandal on Netflix. It's pretty cool. You'll like it. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but check it out. So I'll, I'll let you guys know. I'm going to give you one more for the road. There you go. <laughs> That's our guy. There you go. 
American Vandal on Netflix. I'm always looking for a good show. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with that one, but I do have Netflix. I have not canceled it. I did not sign up for it and then forget to cancel it. I have Netflix all the time. So I, I honestly, my wife's been looking at our bills and you know and mm-hmm. stuff and uh, kind of a new year. What what are we doing? And I think she said to me the other day, you know, we got seven streaming services. Wow. And I said, yeah, but I can write it off. She said, not enough. Yeah, Hell, not, not, not enough to make up for. No, that's not you doing know. it. Hulu, out of here. You no, know. Oh, no, not that one. Apple TV. That, that, that's a, so she starts to go through. And she's like, I don't know if we, you know, how much do we watch on Hulu? I go like, are you kidding me? And I rattle off like three shows. Like, all right, well, maybe we can get rid of HBO. I go, HBO? What? <laughs> you're like the guy who. Like my children. All yeah, you're like the guy who, uh, you know, collects all his, uh, what is it, you know, like toys or something like that from his childhood. And the wife is like, you know, we got to throw these away. No, I can't. That's throw Superman. Yeah. You can't throw out Superman. <laughs> that's yes. that's G.I. Joe still in his packaging. Right. We can't throw that away. Right. By the way, you know how have, much that's worth? I do have a Superman doll around here somewhere from my youth. Actually, that is literally true. Um, too much I, oh, information, this is, Glenn. Too this is much what information. I. Well, that was when I. What when you were a kid? Did mm-hmm. you have like a favorite character, something TV, whatever? Oh yeah, I was a I was a uh, a Godzilla geek as a kid. Absolutely. Oh okay. I so love I'm, the Saturday morning the like Superman monster thing. movies. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm the weird one. Um, <laughs> so this is something that I I am always I love these people who come to the game, but don't have a ticket. And tailgate for the entire game, mm-hmm. and I I will see them because there have been games where like I have to leave at halftime or something, and so I'll, you know you'll be going out, um, and they bring you know the Winnebago right. or the van, and they got the cooking stuff going, and they got the big screen TV in the parking lot, and I mean they could be watching at home, but for them, mm-hmm. even if they don't have tickets to the game, the social event is being there and you can hear the cheer from the stadium yep. and the fireworks go off when the Eagles score and they're having a blast mm-hmm. in the parking lot whatever they paid 50 bucks whatever they paid to get in the parking lot it's a huge social thing and I love those people and part of the reason I love them is sometimes when I'm walking to the stadium they'll toss me a beer or a hot dog but I I love what they stand for in fandom which is even if we're not at the stadium we're stadium adjacent and mm-hmm. we're having a great time that's not me. I, I totally appreciate where you're coming from, um, and maybe I've gotten spoiled over the years by uh, being in a press box so much, but, man, I would just stay home in the comfort of my house with the drinks there and the food there and maybe invite a few friends over. Yeah, okay. That's me. Well, there you go. 215-592-9494. We'll check in with Zach Berman at the top of the hour. Take your calls all day. With Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Eagles on the season are decent on fourth down. Hurts back again. He's floating it for Devontae Smith, who makes the catch. The Giants miss, and he walks into the end zone. Oh, the my Giants goodness. gambled, and Hurts went 41 yards for the touchdown, beating Darnay Holmes. Oh, my who came goodness. up, flat out missed him, and trotting into the end zone was Devontae Smith. All right, that's the Jalen Hurts we want to see tonight in the Devontae Smith. That was week 14 against the Giants. By the way, coming up in just a couple minutes, 
a great, amazing story about what's happening to the Giants today at their hotel. We'll give you that in a minute, but as always at this time, we check in with our friends, the doctors from Cooper Bone and Giant Dr. Mark Pollard is with us today. Doc, you all excited about the game tonight? Uh, yes, I am. Absolutely. Good. Good. So, we all know what's going on here. We all know Jalen Hurts' uh, shoulder, and uh, it's not the AC joint. It is the, help me out, the something C joint. Oh, the, um, oh, shoot. Hold MC on. joint? MC joint. I think it's oh. the SC joint. SC joint. There you go. Yes. See, Doc? That's why, we, that's why we pay you so much money. All right. Great. So, so. So it has had this amount of time to heal. He played in the game two weeks ago. They've been kind of baiting it a little bit. When you are watching the game tonight, being the medical professional that you are, what are you going to be looking for? What should fans look for to either put their mind at ease or cause them some concern? Uh, Probably to see how he's moving out there and moving the arm. Um, If there's no hesitation, um, you know, I think the the injury happened in the Chicago game, if I remember correctly. Um, yes. And he and he played with it, and you could tell something was a little bit different with his his mechanics and his motion. And so, you know, that would be the big thing is like you know his, his mechanics and his throwing motion. You know, it'll be to me it'll be interesting interesting to see how much they actually have him run with the ball and put himself you know in position to get hit. You know, if he leads with that shoulder, if you notice that he constantly spins the other shoulder around to lead with that you know that'll give some indication of how it's feeling to him well doctor that kind of segues into the question i wanted to ask which is is it that hertz can't take any hit is it there's there's a certain kind of way that he could get hit that would injure the shoulder more like can he you know should he avoid landing on it what happens if he just gets tackled is there any way to know those kinds of things yeah, with any kind of uh, problem or injury to the collarbone and the joints at either side of it, you know, the more common AC joint, which is injured more commonly, or the uh, SC joint, which is you know between the collarbone and the sternum, is much less commonly injured. But the way that you injure that part of the body most of the time is actually landing directly on the, sho- the side of the shoulder. You know, the classic injury is, you know, like a, a quarterback getting sacked or tackled with his arm being held against his body because he can't put his arm out to catch himself. Well, that is what we'll be looking for tonight. Hopefully, presumably, we are optimistic that he is in great shape and that the Eagles win going away. And then when we talk to you next, we'll be talking about a team advancing to the Super Bowl, hopefully with no injuries. That's the thing. We love talking to you. It's just the injury part that makes us a little upset. But It'd be better to have nothing to talk about. Uh, that is correct, <laughs> but you know we'll have you anyway. Yeah. All right, what's your prediction for tonight, Doctor? In a, a, with your medical expertise, what's the prediction on the game? Um, it's probably not going to be a super high-scoring affair, so I would prognosticate 24-10 Eagles. I'll take that. All right. Dr. Mark Pollard, thank you so much. Thanks, All Doctor. Right. There you go. Um, so, interesting thing going on at the Giants Hotel. What do you know? Yeah, so Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for ESPN, just tweeted this out, that the Giants team hotel in Center City has no water, per sources. There's a busted pipe. No showers this morning. According to Jordan, they're working on fixing it. Uh, take your time. Yeah. Do we do we know that do we know that Eskin didn't drive straight from the Borgata to Center City? I don't know. I love that story because of course 
it's going. The narrative is going to be that it's an Eagles failure. You call your get get Steve Politi back on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, because it's, it's his narrative that like we busted up hype and so on. Yeah, um, you know who knows? Oh, Maybe an great. enthusiastic uh, Eagles fan. You know, right? Nobody can wash. Nobody can shave. Right. Where are you gonna <laughs> got to find a bathroom and a flush somewhere? If, uh, if the Giants can't outplay the Eagles, they're going to hygiene them to oh, death or something. That, I see, I but a story. I love a story like that, and as far fetched it is. Do you know, um, there was a long time, I remember Warren Sapp, when he was playing, Mm -hmm. would not eat, would not order room service, I think, on the road, Mm. because he was convinced, and I think he thought it happened here in Philadelphia, that somebody one time, someplace intentionally gave him food poisoning. Wow. Not sure how you would do that. And he got really sick on a game day, tracing it back to a meal he had had at a team hotel. Um, and I'm sure that players sometimes worry about stuff like that. Yeah, look, there so many athletes are so routine oriented that they don't want any kind of break from you know what they do before every single game. And here it is. I actually just called up the story. I was able to find it. An Associated Press story from 2006. Warren Sapp is a very picky eater. He refuses to eat out on team trips for fear of getting sick. And he's not talking about the rare case of food poisoning. He insisted that his food was tampered with during his nine-year tenure with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 1995 to 2003. And he mentioned specifically before the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia at the end of the 2002 season. There you go. So if anybody did that, they did a really lousy job of hampering Warren Sapp before that game. (laughs) That's true. Should have put a little more effort into that, Right, exactly. Holy cow. Here's hoping that the Giants don't get water, that the electricity goes out. I'm not sure what hotel they're staying at. Sure, it's a first-rate hotel, but nonetheless, it wouldn't bother me if things don't go their way there. I just don't want them to be smelly when I have to go in the locker room and interview them. Uh, Oh, yeah, because (laughs) playing three hours of football, that'll have no consequence. I have certain standards, Glenn. Oh, man, those locker rooms after you. Although, you know the smell that always stuck with me, or sticks with me, I don't go to locker rooms a whole lot anymore, thank goodness, but the, is the liniment. Yeah, there's that. That's the, that's the one. Uh, to me, the, to me, um, hockey locker rooms are the worst, because the padding, particularly oh, the goaltenders' padding, gets so rancid. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I those are played bad. hockey up until my 40s, and my son played hockey, he actually still does now, in his 30s, but... We used to have, you know, the bag of pads that my wife would just not let in the house. Mm-hmm. Right? You cannot bring the equipment bag in the house. So the equipment bag lived in the garage. And when, when you would open the back door from the house to the garage, any like within a week of game time, you would just get the whip. Yeah, I, I, nothing smells worse than hockey. Pads. No, you're right. My uh, one of my best friends and a roommate of mine, uh, my senior year of college, uh, played on the hockey team. Uh, at LaSalle, and he would throw his hockey bag in the closet downstairs, and that th- it was like that thing's alive. It would pulsate <laughs> with odor. It was just, you know. Yeah. I Dry think this hockey is, sweat is the, is the worst. Uh, I think this is the most aromatic segment uh, in WIP yeah, history. Uh, I mean, i got to finish up with something else. Let's get okay. Mitch here and get Mitch's thoughts on the game tonight. Oh, what are you thinking, Mitch? Hey, get, get, check your phone. Oh. Um, how you doing? Pulse here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mitch. How you doing? Um, my first of all, my thoughts and prayers for Jerry Blavin's family. Known him for years, a customer of ours, but a great guy. We come in the shop. 
glad you brought him up. I was going to mention him later. I'll, I'll actually bring it up later. But yes, all sympathies to his family and what Unreal. what an amazing career uh, and uh, yeah. a very very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Such a nice guy. And uh, you know, I'm in the hospital for a couple of days for tune up, and who walks in the doors? Mitch, I'm afraid to say that your phone has kind of failed us here. If you want to call back in the 12 o'clock hour, you can, but we're not. We're hearing like one out of every four words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hope you are well. All right, coming up uh, in the 12 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Zach Berman of The Athletic, get his take, and we look forward to your calls at 215-592-9494. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack. Now it's Eagles game day on 94 WIP. And the return is Westbrook. Westbrook dangerous every time he has his hands on the football. The snap to Fiegels. He gets it away. It's a wobbler. Bounces across the 20. Westbrook takes it. Looks for running room. Up to the 25. The 30. To the 35. 40. 45. Midfield. 45. 40. 35. 30. Brian Westbrook. He's going. He's He's gone. Touchdown. Brian Westbrook. 84 yards. No penalty flags. I don't believe it. Brian Westbrook has just exploded. And with 116 remaining, this place is in a state of shock. That's one of my all-time favorite Merrill calls. And my, <laughs> I love listening uh, to that call because I can't yeah. help but picture little pieces of Brian Westbrook all over the field because he's exploded. Yeah. By the way, this hour brought to you by Meridian Bank. Innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. Meridian Bank. That was October 19th, 2003. Uh, Eagles are down all game. The Eagles are 2-4. and four. They're losing 10-7 to seven with a minute and a half to go. And a 2-4 and four start at the year after reaching the NFC Championship game was going to look really bad. And Brian Westbrook saved the J. Jeff Fiegels, by the way, on that punt, former, yep. former Eagle. Um, and Ike Reese with a big block. Big that may, block. May, may or may not have been clipping. Just ask Ike. He made that whole play happen. He no, I'm, I'm only kidding. He, he, well, no, he, he sprung it. <laughs> he did. Uh, he did. And, it was, and it, was, it was a great one, and it was a ton of fun. And yeah. I, rem- I remember covering that game, Glenn, and honestly, watching the Eagles offense that day was like having your fingers slammed a car door for three hours. I mean, yeah. they <sighs> couldn't do anything. And, and Donovan McNabb was terrible all day. He was fighting through. A hand injury at the time and really had trouble throwing the ball. And then Westbrook saved their bacon. Saved the day. Zach Berman of The Athletic, you remember that game? <laughs> I remember watching it. I, I, I was not covering it, but well, I do recall I know. You were about seven years old, but nonetheless, <laughs> as, a, as a fan, as somebody who grew up around here, you had to remember that one. Yeah, I was, I was at my grandfather's watching that game. I recall it well. There you go. All right, Zach Berman, uh, who does a terrific job covering the team for The Athletic. Let's talk about it tonight. Um, and we've talked a lot about Jalen Hurts and what we hope to see and how we'll see it, but let's talk a little bit more about Lane Johnson and what he means for the offensive line and how you plan to look to see how he's doing, like what what you're going to be looking for there. Well, the first thing is him staying on the field, right, because there's there's a pain tolerance threshold, which is easy for me to say. It's much, it's, it's much harder for him to withstand. Uh, so... If, if he can stay on the field, and I imagine he's, he's going to be able to do that. In my 11 years covering the team, 10 of them, Lane Johnson's been on the team. Most of them, Lane Johnson, has played through injuries. Uh, so, so he's pretty conditioned to doing this. And he said this is an injury that 
he thinks he can manage better than the ankle that was bothering him a few years ago. Uh, as as far as how he'll do out there and the effect that it will have, the effect that it will have is is that it, it changes the way you block. When you keep Lane on an island on the right side, and now all of a sudden your interior alignment, so in his case, Isaac Sayamalu, he doesn't have to worry about Lane's guy. He can just go inside and help with Dexter Lawrence, help, help Kelsey uh, with Dexter Lawrence. So that's huge. And then in, in, in Lane Johnson's time here, the only thing I can say with absolute certainty is that they're a better team with him on the field than without him. It, it bears it out. So even if he's not at full strength, they're a better team having a version of Lane Johnson than without Lane Johnson at all. So, Zach, let's switch quickly to the defensive side of the ball because I do want to uh, ask you about Jalen Hurts in a second. Uh, but strategically, we saw what the Giants did last week with the Vikings having Daniel Jones uh, carry the ball and be a threat running the ball, and he's a very athletic quarterback. Uh, if you're Jonathan Gannon, what's the approach you're taking to try to corral the, the, the Giants' offense and Jones in particular? Well, this is a game, if I'm Gannon, where I'm, I'm really trusting my corners. Uh, they're, they're fortunate to have two all-pro caliber corners, which is a, a luxury they haven't had here in a really long time, and most teams don't. And so I'm, I'm trusting those corners against the Giants wide receivers. I'm playing more man than they typically do. Um, I'm keeping eyes on, on Jones uh, in, in terms of, of running the ball. I'm being aggressive, not, and, and that doesn't mean blitzing, but um, you don't have to sit back and worry as much about the big play in this game because I, I think what the Giants are, their strategy is going to be offensively is to try to slow this game down, convert third downs, keep the Eagles offense off the field, and try to make it a close game in the fourth quarter. And so the, the, the way the Eagles need to combat that is they need to get off the field on third downs. They can't allow extended drives here because that will play into the Giants' recipe. Uh, so I, I think the Eagles have the advantage personnel-wise, and I think they trust their corners more in man coverage than in most weeks. All right. So at the risk of repeating what you just said, I may repeat what you just said, which is I looked at the two games that the Eagles really lost this year, taking out the Cowboys game, which was which was different, where the, the defense really got torched. But Washington and New Orleans won because they were able to sustain drives. And as you said, they were able to take it down to third and two and convert, and they just bleed clock and and kept the Eagles offense off the field. Um, and so... And again, I think I'm kind of piggybacking on what you said. It seems to me if you can trust your corners to play man, and the Giants don't have great wide receivers, so I think you can. I mean, big play slave for a reason. Bradbury's had a great year. Then you can really focus on not letting Saquon Barkley get six or not letting Daniel Jones convert. And I think that that's, that's the whole key to the game. You're on that absolutely side of the correct ball. there. Yeah. yeah, you are correct there because that's – the way the Giants' offense is going to stay on the field, frankly, is if Daniel Jones can hold the ball off script uh, and pick up six yards on, on, on third and four. Or if there's a play when Saquon Barkley leaks out on a third and six and, and, and he catches the ball, makes someone miss, and he, and, and he gains yards after catch. I don't think the Giants are equipped to beat the Eagles with you know, long plays of, of 15, 20 yards downfield. They, they don't have – that's A, that's, that's not necessarily their offense. They don't have those skill position players. And the Eagles have the, the corners to withstand that. So there are teams that you go against where you're absolutely trying to take away the big play. 
and and you have eyes on a, on a particular receiver at all times. I don't think the Giants. I don't think that's the way they're going to beat you. So you you need to you know keep them a force Jones to to get rid of the ball um, or at least think about it. You can't allow him to get off script. Zach, I've covered the the team for a long time. You obviously have covered it very intimately for as you said, 11 years, I think. I've never seen a situation like this Jalen Hurts situation in terms of a team and a player kind of talking up how injured he is. Uh, It's been such a big discussion topic, and it's been one that the Eagles have been, certainly Hurts himself and Nick Sirianni have been very open about, about talking about the fact that he's injured. What do you expect to see from Jalen Hurts tonight, and what do you think the Eagles need to see to, from him to win this game? I think we can expect to see the pre-injury Jalen Hurts, or at, at, at least in terms of the game plan, that's what I'm expecting. I think Jalen Hurts is going to run. I think there's going to be zone reads. There's going to be, there's going to be RPOs. There's going to be RPRs. It's, it's going to be the, the, the way they want this offense to function. Um, it's more than a month now since the injury, uh, since the injury first happened. Number one, and then number two, and this is an obvious statement, but it's two weeks past the last time he played, and so he's two weeks healthier. And I, I think that what you saw in that last game is, as Jalen Hurts said, uh, they were it was it was just enough, right? They they did enough to win, and I I think it it, it was a deliberate game plan then. And the whole purpose was to get that first round by, give him a chance to rest, and you're going to see Jalen Hurts look the way he's looked, uh, or play the way he's played through the first uh, the first 15 weeks of the season. Well, that will that will make people feel great. Hey, let me let me just change the topic for a moment because um, we haven't talked about this, and I'm curious your take on it. The Eagles' offensive and defensive coordinators were, uh, I believe, both interviewed for potential mm-hmm. head coaching jobs this week. I think it sounds like the Houston Texans are seriously considering Jonathan Gannon. It's interesting because they fired a head coach who was a defensive head coach in Lovey Smith, so you'd think they might go the other way, but whatever. Um, two-part question. One, do you see one or both of these guys leaving? And two, do you buy into it being a distraction as a team works in the postseason? I don't think it's a, a distraction, so I'll answer the second part first, in particular because they had the bye week. Uh, and, I mean, the team was off last weekend when these guys interviewed. If if you're in a situation like San Francisco is now, where, you know, D'Amico Ryan is interviewing at, at, at the end of the week, that's, that's, that's the way it, it is for the teams that played in the wild card weekend, um, that could potentially come up, you know. I, But as far as, as, as the Eagles guys, they did their interviews, on Saturday, Sunday, there was there was not much going on. There was you know in in building those days. Um, so I I don't think it's a distraction as, as far as their chances of getting the job. I think Gannon's a a very um, hot hot candidate down in Houston. They really liked him last year. There were a lot of kind of complicating factors when that decision was made that that went into those decisions. But I know that Houston really liked Gannon then. And and Gannon's the type of guy who he has leadership qualities and personality attributes that when he sits down and explains what his plan is, um, I I can definitely we see management getting behind that. In terms of Shane Steichen, what he, if you you look at what he's done with 
Jalen Hurts. You look at, at, at what he did with Justin Herbert. Um, he's been around young quarterbacks here. He's a very um, well-regarded offensive mind. And if you're a team such as Carolina or Indianapolis um, or even Houston and you're planning to develop a young quarterback in the next few years, Steichen fits that profile of candidate. Now, there are a few other guys like that, but I can see Steichen, especially in the mix in Carolina, if, you know, say Sean Payton doesn't go there. Zach, what's your prediction for tonight? I think the Eagles win. Um, I mean, the Eagles are the, the better team on both sides of the ball. Uh, they, they have more rest. They have home field advantage. They check every box in this game. And I think the Giants are a well-coached team that plays, that, that plays hard. But there's this narrative that, that this is not a team you want to see right now in, in terms of the Giants. They beat Vikings last week. And before that, their only wins since uh, the start of November have been against Houston, Washington, and Indianapolis. Uh, so I think this is a, a team that the Eagles can and will handle well, but I, I, I don't think it's going to look like Week 14. I, I think it, it's going to be a single-digit win, but it's going to be enough for the Eagles to advance next week. All right, so let's jump the gun one more time here. Who are they going to play now? Who are they going to host next week? <laughs> I think Dallas, honestly. Um, oh, and I, I, I know right. San Francisco is really hot, um, and San Francisco's a tough team, but Dallas – is not. I don't know if if Dallas is totally getting the credit that they might deserve. They're a high variance team. I thought there was a chance they could lose to Tampa uh, when they played them last week, but they do so many things well. They can score on offense. They can get after the quarterback on defense. Uh, that's a really tough team, and I think they have the pass rushers to overwhelm Purdy. Dallas Eagles NFC Championship game here next week would be epic. That, that would th- there would be a mushroom cloud over South Philadelphia. I think. Oh God Almighty, that'd be terrific! It gives us something to root for. Zach Berman, follow him on Twitter at zberm. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being our guest, as always. Thanks for having me hey, on, Zach. Before you go, and I want to say this to the listeners: um, if you get a chance, read Zach's piece on theAthletic.com about Josh Sweat, who in his spare time builds computers. It is an incredibly well reported and well written piece. Good job by Zach. So to anybody who's listening, go to theathletic.com and read Zach's piece about Josh Sweat. I appreciate it, especially coming from you. Thanks, Mike. There you go. All right, good stuff. You don't build computers in your spare time? I, I, I use them enough that I don't have time I, to build I, them. I, I, <laughs> I pretty much break them. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just want to say one thing. If you remember, Mitchie called before, and his phone was going in and out, and he was thanking somebody. And the story that I got, uh, Mitch is in the hospital. Mitch has had some medical issues, and we wish him the best. Um, I think he's just there for a, for a 50,000-mile checkup. But um, his, I am friends with his brother-in-law, Paul, and uh, Mitch's sister, Jen. And they got him a copy of Ray's book the other night, oh, Sign. Wow. And so Mitch is in the hospital. Uh, I saw a photograph reading Ray's book and eating Dunkin' Donuts. So, you know, you, know, you got to be in the hospital. That's I was going to say, if, if without the hospital, that sounds like bliss to me. Yeah, yeah, nice job by Paul and Jen there. All right, let's get – oh, we got the contrarian Steve from Westchester. Oh, well, oh. Steve, what do uh, you have here a to declare? I have in my hand and a Ray's book on my driver's seat right now. Right <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, Seriously. Yeah. Okay. As a, as a coaster right now. So, okay. Steve, what are your thoughts on tonight's game? Well, first of all, I, I want to see the Eagles play Dallas, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think with, I think that the um, all this talk about how the Eagles are going to beat the Giants, you know, Ray, 
I mean, Ray, but um, uh, you guys know that there's 11, with 11 times since the Giants have won in, in, in this town. Uh-huh. And I, I hark back to the time when everybody was talking about how they were going to crush Tampa, they were going to come in here, and the snow was going to kill them, and they shut the bet down on us, didn't they? So when, your evidence that the Giants are going to win snow, tonight is a game from 20 years ago? I'm just saying that, that you're overlooking the Giants. The no, Eagles nobody's overlooking anything. Everybody is. I'm lost listen all week. The, the Giants stink. I'm, the, all these scores I'm getting, 24-10, 31-17, they're just going to beat the Giants. But you're forgetting Daniel Jones is, is a running quarterback, and I think that's going to – when the callers earlier about the third and sixth situation, you're going to see that a lot tonight. And I think okay. the, Eagles, the Giants are going to keep the ball away from the Eagles, which mm-hmm. will be good for Hurts' injury. But I'm thinking 24-17 uh, Giants win, and one of them is on defensive uh, touchdown. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not seeing it that way, Steve, even a little bit. I think um... – so if Lane Johnson doesn't play the, most of the game, you're still not seeing it that way? I think well, Lane Johnson's going to play the entire game. Uh, okay. He's he's suiting up. Uh, he's As Zach Berman just said a minute ago, he's played through pain right. for most of his career. It's it's something he's familiar right. with. Um, and having him out there well, makes the Eagles a better team. And whatever iteration of Lane you're getting, right. they're better for it. But, but if you look at the record that the Eagles have when Lane Johnson's not out there or not most of the time, yeah, you, but you're going to understand we, what the time's going to win tonight. But he is out there. But he's going to be out there. Well, he is, he's coming out with injury. How long is he going to stay? Jason well, Peters was out there for the Cowboys. Well, last Jason week. Peters ain't the game that Lane Johnson time. is. That we know, right? We can agree on that, Steve. Uh, I mean, but, all right, I'm thinking. I, I'll call you in like no twenty four seventeen. All right, hey, okay. listen, I, we we welcome your call and your prediction. I don't know that his evidence was. A ton. But. I, I, I got to be honest, Steve. I did not find your case compelling. Um, it, it makes me think you're calling from Westchester County, New York, instead of uh, <laughs> Westchester, Pennsylvania. That was exactly what I said on the phone to him, by the way. Really? Sounds like a Giants fan. You know, everybody's entitled. You don't have to agree with us. And and I, the Giants may win. I give the Giants a 20% chance to win, uh, which makes it certainly conceivable that they could. Steve's Steve was his name, right? His yes. argument, however, was mostly... The Giants have lost 11 games in a row here. They're due. Remember when everybody thought the Eagles were going to beat the Bucs in 2002 mm-hmm. or whatever year that was, and look what happened then, and Lane Johnson's not going to play. So his his body of evidence, to me, did not make a compelling case for that. No, and look, this is what we talked about at the start of the show, Glenn, the the scarring that comes from losses and games that Philadelphia yeah. teams are supposed to win. That That's yeah. exactly what Steve spoke to. Yeah, indeed. Let me sneak in one more call here before the break. Abe in Conshohocken is with us. Abe, what's the strategy tonight? Well, Glenn. Um, oh, I know this, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk um, about the game so tonight. Man. What do you think first? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, look, I think the strategy comes down to you know, the offense just uh, controlling the time of possession and staying on the field, and the defense getting off the field, you know. Um, I kind of compare it to, you know, a chef in the kitchen. you got to give the chef time in the kitchen to cook. You know, that's the offense. And then on the defense, when the kitchen catches fire, you make sure you get everybody out, escort them out of the house as fast as possible, and get off the field. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would – Disagree with you slightly there, Abe, only insofar as the Eagles haven't been a ball control team really all season. I mean, they can go on long, extensive drives, but, you know, I think they were fourth in the NFL in yards per play this season. They've been a quick strike, big play offense a good bit of the year. Um, 
I don't think they need to—I think the Giants, as we've talked about, need to slow the game down and keep the ball away from the Eagles' offense. I think when the Eagles have the ball themselves, go try and score. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, yeah and, and the reason I was saying uh, they should switch it up a little bit is just to take the pressure off of Lane Johnson and uh, and off of Hurts. You know what I mean? So um, let let Lane Johnson, Lane, Lane Johnson and the offensive line attack and uh, you know just take the hits off of Hurts. Hey, if yeah. they run Miles Sanders 25 times behind Jordan Mailata, that is not a bad formula. There are many formulas they can win, but I wouldn't mind that one either. So I have met this Abe uh, I have, Mike, because okay. a- Abe hosts a TV show uh, and was nice enough to, to have me on it. Abe, just tell the people about it and where they can see it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's an Emmy-nominated TV show. Uh, called American Dream TV, and I, I and let me let me start off by saying this. And Glenn, it was such a pleasure working with you, man. I mean, I've heard uh, you know I've heard you on WIP for a long time, and uh, it was just truly, truly an honor. Um, no, it was fun. He but, came uh, out to Conchock and Brewing Company and did a piece on us and uh, drank his share yeah. of beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 boy, are they tasty. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, I agree, Abe. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's an Emmy-nominated TV show called American Dream TV, um, and uh, it be, and they're they're starting a new episode called Selling Philadelphia. They have shows all across the country, and we basically pick you know different neighborhoods throughout Philly and the Burbs, and we talk about the lifestyle, culture, and real estate that makes it really good. So this episode was Concha Hawken, and what better place to pick than the Concha Hawken Brewing Company? I mean, well, people enjoy nice it. Nice you. It's it was a blast. Was Abe, a blast. I got to hit a commercial. Is, so when, he, when, is, when is it on next, or when? how can people see it? Yeah, so it's on my Instagram page at, at Abe Thompson Group. That's A-B-E-T-H-O-M-S-O-N Group. And I'm also going to send that to you, uh, Glenn, and then whenever you get a chance, you know, put, throw it up on Twitter. Hey, appreciate it was my it. pleasure, and very nice to talk to you. I appreciate it very much. All right, we will come back. Uh, what are we going to do when we get back? Oh, yeah, I got I got a vent, and mm-hmm. I think you may join me in venting on a couple of things that sure. uh, have happened in uh, in this town in the last couple of days. And we'll take your calls, John and Lou and Mark and anybody else. Randall Cunningham on this one. Well, this is what Cunningham does best. Watch for the great block by Keith Byers on Pepper Johnson. Cunningham goes upfield, watch him, he'll point, say block him, bam, right there, Byers just KO'd, here's the shot, 52, Johnson, watch that shot by Byers, extra yardage. Well, I remember that one, uh, November 25th, 1990, and Keith Byers and Pepper Johnson were college roommates and best friends, and Pepper Johnson's wife was watching with Keith Byers' wife at the time, and Keith Byers' wife was so mad at him for for putting the block on Pepper Johnson that she didn't talk to him for two days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you reached out to Keith Byers this week, right? I did. I talked to him Thursday night uh, because the uh, the four teams left in the NFC are something out of like the late '80s, early '90s. Glenn, you've got the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Forty Niners. And yeah, that's right. you know, you and I both remember an era where the NFC won. 13 straight Super Bowls, I think, maybe 12, um, and 10 or 11 of them were by four teams, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Giants, and Washington. And uh, so I reached out to, to Keith to talk to him about that block in particular and the old rivalries and kind of how this weekend is a throwback in some ways. Nice. Uh, and he was, what a great player he was. 
Uh, this hour, by the way, sponsored by Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. And we'll get to the callers in a second. I want to vent about two things, and Mike, feel free to either mm-hmm. join in, disagree, or vent about something else. Okay. The first one, Josh Harris, Sixers majority owner. And and I admire his charitable projects. I think he's great in that regard. That said, I have never been able to swallow that the owner of the Sixers also owns the New Jersey Devils. I hate that. Now, it comes out this week that he's the lead candidate to buy the Washington commies <laughs> from Dan Snyder. Are you kidding me? You can, you can own your, your British soccer team fine. That's not a rival. Do whatever you want across the pond. But you can't be part of Philadelphia and own a rival club. Jeff Lurie isn't buying the Mets. John Middleton isn't buying the Celtics. Don't just be another rich guy gathering up assets. Be one of us. And I hate that Josh Harris is doing this. And and that's a, that's that's a, that's okay. I, all I would say, Glenn, is I don't con- really consider Josh Harris one of us to begin with, um, because he is dabbling in so many different franchises and wants to own so many different franchises. Um, it just he's the Sixers in some ways I think are an afterthought to him and uh, it's been that way pretty much since he bought them and mm-hmm. you know I, I imagine it. the commanders will be an afterthought to him too as long as they're making him money hate it hate it hate it all right the second one's more serious so I'm going to choose my words carefully here um, it's about Ivan Provorov and everybody knows what happened the other night the Flyers hosted a, a pride night an initiative really spearheaded by two members of the team JVR and Scott Lawton, who said it was a very personal issue to them. And all the players were asked to do was wear a warm-up jersey with a rainbow on it uh, in the pregame skate, and then they would auction those off for charity. And that was too much for Ivan Provorov. He couldn't bring himself to do that, citing his religious beliefs. He was not being asked to attend a gay wedding. He was being asked to wear a rainbow on a warm-up jersey as the Flyers in an effort supported by all of his teammates, tried to show that anyone who wants to play the sport is invited. It was about inclusion. It's not about religion. It's not about politics. It's about, let's face it, the culture of hockey and other sports has not always been open and inviting, and that's what this was about. So instead, he just entirely upstaged the initiative, the You Can Play initiative. He blew up the effort. He ruined an effort, well, I don't know, they said he didn't ruin it, but he he marred an effort led by teammates, JVR and Lawton, leaders on the team. He was selfish. Uh, To my mind, he was bigoted, and he declined when asked just to be a good teammate for 10 minutes. Just be a teammate. He undermined the organization. The coach had to go out and answer for it. His teammates who, who worked hard to make this thing, who met with members of the community after the game, who did good work that they believe in, were submarined by Ivan Provorov, and um, shame on him. And that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I would I would add just two quick things. Um, I think the teammate point you make is a good one uh, because this is something that uh, became apparent, at least to me, and I think to people who have been around pro sports a while. And I don't mean to equate anything here, but during the the Colin Kaepernick controversy, where the idea of supporting your teammate, no matter what you disagreements you might have with that teammate is paramount. You know, look, I work at the Philadelphia Inquirer. I don't agree with every single editorial or opinion column that is published by the Inquirer, but I'm not going, I'm never going to say that publicly, 
because I'm, I want to be a good teammate. You know, you're not going to know what I think we're doing well or what I think we're doing poorly because I work there and I'm not going to criticize people publicly. I think the same principle applied here with respect to Provorov. I would add the one other thing, though, is that in the, the course of the last several years, we've been encouraging athletes to speak their minds about things. And the only thing I would say in that regard is that if you encourage them to do that, you're going to get situations where athletes speak their minds and say things that you don't like, you disagree with, or that, that are just flat out dumb and wrong. And this, I think, to a certain degree is a product of that. Um, sure. And again, he is entitled to whatever beliefs he wants to have. It really wasn't a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't being asked to do much. Right. And and as I said, listen, I think I support the effort, and I know how sports, particularly hockey, had a culture that really mm-hmm. wasn't welcoming right. for for gay people. And it's gone. Hockey's made a real effort to do it, particularly two of his teammates who led this thing, and he he let them down. Um, I thought to a tremendous degree. So, all right, cool. Let's get back to football. John and Maniunk. Hello, John. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking a little X and O's here. I'm not a football expert, but I've been hearing this week, uh, I think Angelo was playing uh, that nose tackle on the uh, Giants. I think I don't think he played uh, a couple of games earlier, but he said he could uh, really push Kelsey around. He's probably got like 40 pounds on him. Do you think they're going to have uh, Dickerson to help out, crash down on him on blocks, double team him? I mean, look, I think the Eagles have the kind of offensive line that can handle pretty much anything a defensive line, opposing defensive line throws at them as long as Lane is out there. Um, You know, it's not a coincidence that, as Zach Berman referenced before, uh, their record falls off a cliff when Lane is not in there. So whatever they have to do to handle the Giants along the defensive line, I think they're going to do. I I think the Eagles have – part of the reason I'm so confident they're going to win is that uh, they – are better than the Giants significantly along the offensive and defensive lines. Hey, have you guys heard anything on Avante Maddox? I guess he's not playing today. Is he? No, no, he's, he's not, playing. not playing. Didn't practice and this week. Uh, you know, I they never put him on injured reserve, which means they hope to get him back sometime. I, I to me, best case scenario is you get to the Super Bowl and he's able to to help you out. I don't I don't know they were going to see him before that. Uh, let's talk to Lou in Westchester, Lou. I'm disconnected. Mikey, okay. you there? I'm here. Oh, okay. I thought I got disconnected. No, I think Lou Lou went Lou away. Lou got disconnected. Yeah. All right. I was afraid that I disappeared. All nope. right. We'll try. Let's try. Let's you, try you, are, you are I, real and here. I'm with us. <laughs> I'm real and I'm spectacular. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, Mark in the Northeast, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Mark. Uh, I wanted to talk about how everybody is saying that, uh, that, that, that Giants are like, overrated because of they beat they beat Minnesota. But we all knew Minnesota was a fluke. Like, who, who went in the Minnesota game thinking we were going to lose? Like, really? Well, Come I, on, man. I, do, do you, you, mean, you mean the Eagles in week two going into the Minnesota game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but who did you think we were going to lose? Well, I think it was early enough in the season that uh, there were still some some questions that needed to be answered yeah. about the Eagles. And I think, honestly, Mark, I think that Vikings game in week two uh, – went a long way to getting people to thinking, oh my gosh, the Eagles really are a very good team this season. We thought they were going to be good. We didn't know they were going to be this good. And they dominated the Vikings that night in the first but, half. But you know what's funny? It's like, no matter how many games we win, they're always putting us like as the underdogs. But I love it, though, because that's what rallies us. That's what rallies you know us. You know the Eagles are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Absolutely. Okay. 
No. Absolutely, but 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 they still say that the Eagles are going to lose. Everybody's saying that no matter what the points are, it's because we're home. You know, they still say we're going to lose. What do you think people say? Oh, oh, Eagles are loose. Eagles are, every time, as soon as we lost the game to Washington, first thing they uh, said, here's oh, what we I knew think. it. Here's we where I'm going to start in this. Mark, you got to find better friends. <laughs> you got to hang around <laughs> with a better no, friend. No, 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 check it out. Because I there is, well, hold on, hold on. I, I work in a barbershop. I, I, oh, okay. I, I, and by the way, barbershops are where the best talk takes place. Oh, yes. my God. Tell you got to find another barbershop. You got to move to a different barbershop, <laughs> maybe a different part of town, because while there are people who are pessimistic, we're talking about Eagle fans who think, ah, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. We had the guy earlier call up, oh, Lane Johnson's not going to play. Well, yes, he is. I would, I've been heartened, Mike Sealski, mm-hmm. today. By we came in and said the town's really nervous. I f- feel like we've heard good confidence today. Oh, I, I absolutely think we have. And Mark, thank you so much for the call. No, I think people, I've been kind of pleasantly surprised, um, not because I want the Eagles or Giants to win one way or another, but in that people were very reasonable about how they were looking at this game. There wasn't a lot of despair. There wasn't a lot of total overconfidence one way or another. People were like, yeah, Eagles should win. Let's let's go enjoy ourselves and and watch a playoff game and you know get ready to watch our team in the uh nfc championship game next we week are, we are now let me do the math here uh, seven hours and something something around there yeah One o'clock. What? seven hours and 34 Five minutes, minutes. yep kickoffs. yep yep, yep. all right can't wait when we come back we'll grab a call or two two one five five nine two ninety four nine four we'll give you our predictions and we'll find out what we forgot to talk about with kyle quinn Hey, for most business people, a meeting with their banker can be like a trip to the dentist. But talk to a Meridian customer, you'll hear a different story. Their business lenders come at things from your point of view, and they bring a ton of useful guidance and advice. But mostly, they're a genuinely fun group. I speak from personal experience. The word is getting out. If you'd like to take the stress out of your business banking, Meridian is the go-to bank. Check them out at meridianbanker.com. Looks, bolted into the end zone, touchdown! Wide open is Selleck in the corner of the end zone. McNabb to Selleck. What a play. A repeat of what they did in Seattle. Well, they go with the unbalanced, or they go with Todd Harriman as an eligible receiver, tight end. But it's not Harriman's this time. This time it goes to Brent Selleck in the corner of the end zone. He fakes block. He gets out into the corner. Perfectly thrown ball by Donovan McNabb. You remember that one, Mike? I do remember that one. Covered that game uh, when the Eagles beat the Giants and went on to the NFC Championship game in 2008-2009 and fell short of the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today's going to be a great one. By the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. Uh, all right, Mike, give me your prediction for today. Well, I mean, we've been kind of beating this drum uh, all morning, Glenn. I think the Eagles are going to have a relatively easy time of it. As I said earlier, I think people have kind of forgotten how good they really were because it's been so long since we saw them at full strength and operating on all cylinders. Um, I think they're going to get out to an early lead and kind of keep the Giants at arm's length the whole way. My prediction is Eagles 34, Giants 17. Uh, oh, my. Okay. 
Uh, you did not see my Facebook post first thing this morning, I assume. Or maybe I did not. you did. Well, there you go. I, you know what? I, I might have seen it, but I didn't bother reading they it. They didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> Scroll right by yep. that nonsense. Um, I think it's going to stay close for a while. I think it's going to be close to the half. You know, blowouts usually kind of occur toward the end. So I think the Giants are going to stay within striking distance. They're going to score some points. Daniel Jones is going to... Probably more be more of a concern running than passing, um, but ultimately the Eagles' firepower is going to take over. Jalen Hurts is going to have a fine, fine game. I predict A.J. Brown is going to be the hero with multiple touchdown cat passes, and the safest bet of all is that Boston Scott will there score you go. a touchdown. You said 34-17. What I posted this morning is the Eagles win 34-20. to So either way, I think I will be... We'll be happy going home tonight, and uh, we'll be able to talk about next week as the Eagles play either the... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.